on this week's episode, Three Idiots Rant About Things. Listen to them, children of the night. What music they make. <laughs> Hey everybody, welcome to episode 130 I like the follow up, yeah I just like to harmonize whenever I hear <laughs> a sweet groove Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, it's 130 of Terror and Podnito Things have slowed down since we you know, <laughs> went to like a bi-weekly and didn't release episodes for a few months there uh, mm-hmm. We should be a lot farther ahead normally by this point of the year but it's okay it's all right we are where we're supposed to be you know it's a very zen way of thinking about it yes yes in due time indeed how's everybody doing i'm all right oh yeah just all right i'm just like really hot i'm ready for it to not be like 100 degrees outside yeah well you don't already get that like fall vibe i'm getting that fall vibe already so I went to upstate New York and I was definitely getting the fall vibe. And mm. then I came back to Virginia and it was ruined. Well, yeah, I feel like I feel like going to upstate New York will <laughs> immediately because they have like, I, I honestly, I when I went to school up in Oneonta, like it started snowing end of September. Yeah. So that's crazy. <laughs> well, I mean, you're like Canadian, man. Like you guys get snow like now, right? Is there something no. up in your house right now? <laughs> it's just, it's, I feel like it snows kind of around the same time mm-hmm. in Montreal, but it just, it, it snows like longer into the year, oh. like March and April, you know? Yeah. I mean, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so like it starts snowing in November, but then it lasts until like March. Okay. Well, so you get it like the tail end is longer then. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah, I don't know. When I, when I was up there, it was just like, yeah, started snowing end of September and did not stop snowing until like, I guess it stopped snowing in like March, but it wouldn't really thaw until April. Yeah. I think that was about as I remember it. How about you, Sam? How are you? I'm doing good. I haven't gone anywhere. How do you feel about the weather in Virginia? <laughs> Versus the weather in upstate New York. I feel like I mean it was really nice up until like two or three days ago, and then it got super fucking hot again. Yeah, yeah. But I think it's supposed to be nice again next week. It's yeah, it's supposed to be nice all week. I think. Mm. I think we are those people literally just dancing about the weather. Yeah, that's true. I walked into a Lowe's Mm. and -hmm. noticed that they already have like all their fall stuff out. Not quite their Halloween stuff, although some of that's already started to make an appearance. Mm-hmm. They're fall stuff, you know, just like pumpkins and like dry hay barrels and like all sorts of I don't know fall vibe. Yeah, dude, like that's where they're like uh, storing everything. I was like on top of dry hay barrels. <laughs> yeah, that I means saw... spooky season is almost upon us. Yeah, that's true. the spirit of Halloween stores are getting set up. Are they? You mean yep. moving into all they're the businesses in. that closed because of the Rona? Yeah, yeah, I saw one setting up across from Target where like the Joanne fabrics used to be. <laughs> Sad. Mm. But then also Taking nice. advantage of those corona cancellations. Yep. I'm starting to see all those posts on Twitter and stuff of people that stroll into Michaels 
and get get their Halloween on early. Apparently, Michael's is the place to go. If I remember right, I went there like a couple years ago and got some some things, and remember thinking like, "Oh yeah, Michael's was a shit," and I never went in again. Uh, cool, cool maybe, story, bro. <laughs> maybe I should do that again. I don't know. Sometimes Michael's has five dollar mystery boxes too. That it's like two hundred and fifty dollars worth of stuff that you can buy for five dollars, but you don't know what's in it. So sometimes it sucks. <laughs> Is it is it at least worth the five dollars though? Yeah, you there's usually at least one thing in there that's worth the five dollars. Oh, okay, okay, okay. But like I was watching someone opened up one and it was all just 2020 calendars. <laughs> like day planner books for 2020. <laughs> I feel like one of them needs to be a glitter bomb. Yeah, that'd be amazing. Have you guys Plus I'd rather shop at Michael's and Hobby Lobby, so have you guys ever used a glitter bomb? Have you used a glitter bomb, Sam? Uh, I have been near one. Oh. It was outside. Okay. Nice. Um, if I got glitter bombed in my house and I knew who did it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd want to seek vengeance too. Yeah. Because that shit just like, cool, I might as well burn my house down at that point because I'm never getting rid of that glitter. What's wrong with that though? People always complain about glitter, but what's, what's wrong with having sparkles in your house? Dude, cats, it's literally cats everywhere. Eat that stuff. Kitties, what? yeah, kitties will eat it up, and then it just sits. Oh, my cats are dumb as shit. If they're dumb, I guess that's their problem. <laughs> <laughs> Natural selection. Well, then I could turn their poop into like Christmas tree ornaments for people. Yeah, oh, that would be amazing. There's like that, that lady who makes ornaments out of like hor- uh, cow it, deer, shit. Cow shit. <laughs> Wait, what? Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Back up. Who is this lady? <laughs> There's a TV show on yeah. like uh, I did, forget was what it, channel. Did you show me that? Is yeah, so there's a TV show on like I don't know Discovery Channel or TLC or something like that, and it's all about this lady who makes like art out of moose poop. Moose poop. poop. Is yes, it moose, moose poop? poop. It's moose yeah. poop. Yeah. Okay. From Maine, Either of way. course she's from Maine. <laughs> the moose poop lady, Mary I... w- Witchenbach, <laughs> is getting Jesus hundreds. She gets hundreds of orders for her products. Yeah. 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 <laughs> What some the fuck are we like doing with nat- our lives? Some people like a natural looking turd and some people like it when their turds glisten. There you go. <laughs> what are we doing with our lives? I don't that know. This person it's called has Turdy a fucking, Works. Turdy has a Works. Turdy TV works. show. Yep. So not only does she make money from these crafts, now she also makes money from this um from this TV show. And I think she also moonlights as a stand-up comedian. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm fascinated by she her. makes it's not just ornaments. All right, hold on. Here's the full list of things that she does. She sells items like earrings, magnets, <laughs> lapel pl- pins, and clocks. And I'm looking at this clock. It's <laughs> <laughs> is it just like a turd for every hour? Yeah, you're literally <laughs> right. Yes, <laughs> I'm gonna have to link this article in the podcast description. This is craziness. <laughs> Their turds look like little raisins. <laughs> oh Classic. she even puts like felt hats and googly eyes on them oh my god adorable <laughs> moose turd magnets can you buy them online so wait is she making a mr hanky the christmas poo out of moose shit yeah pretty so. much pretty much they sell for five dollars and up that's perfect she said she uh <laughs> the, the moose take a dump two or three times a day and every time they take a crap they'll crap out probably 300 to 400 of 
of these turds every time. We sell the turds for five dollars and up, so it's like ching. <laughs> Amazing. I seriously it. need to reevaluate my life. Yeah. <laughs> we see the turds coming out of their butt, and it's like five, ten, fifteen, twenty, <laughs> twenty-five. Yeah, these are direct quotes. These are. <laughs> that's amazing. I'm gonna buy something. I feel like this show needs to be on back to back with uh, Alaskan bush people. Yep. She looks like the type of person that wouldn't mind getting out there and collecting a bunch of moose turds, though. She looks, I mean, she looks very I happy. Know what I'm getting you guys for Christmas? <laughs> Some moose turd <laughs> ornament. Jesus, please, please do. You're <laughs> please do i hope i hope i hope you do these look Fabulous. some of them are very they look like they're like gingerbread turds ew she like mushes <laughs> them into gingerbread men i mean this is all right well today i learned i had no idea about this thing's existence <laughs> and there it was. Alex, you said you wanted to know what we were going to bounce bands about tonight. <laughs> that happened. So. I'm having, I'm like really having a hard time figuring, like remembering where this even came from. <laughs> what were we talking about? Uh, what we Maine? needed to, what we needed to be talking about. Oh, at that point uh, my cat's glitter turns. Oh, yes. Thank being you. Christmas tree ornament. Right. Yep, 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 yep. Right. So we go from glitter bombs to this. Yeah. What a great. What We're switching back to a much more organic format, and I love it. <laughs> <laughs> you guys should check this out. Her website is mooseturds.com, but turds is spelled T-I-R-D-S, not T-U-R-D-S, as you would assume. So it's like moose tears. Okay. Hmm. Hmm. We're going to have to look into this later. For the meantime, you, uh, you guys ready to talk about some horror headlines? Absolutely. All right, let's do it. Headlines. Yeah, there's one that's just called Fecal People. <laughs> it's little people. The poo poo platter is $40. <laughs> oh, man, you guys, these are beautiful. <laughs> <sighs> Oh, man. All right. Opening thing. All right. So we have a lot of remakes. (laughs) Weird. (laughs) To talk about. (laughs) Like a lot of remakes to talk about this week. Uh, The first one, (laughs) casting has begun on an Urban Legend remake because we really, really needed one of these (laughs) to come back to to, uh, just the, the, the first outings were just so great. I love how they're remaking the worst out of the 90s slasher movies. What? I think this movie was great. You do. We've been over this on the podcast. Alex is a a firm defender of this movie. I like Urban Legend. I don't like Final Cut, but out of all of the like classic 90s slasher ones, I think this is probably the weakest. (laughs) Up yours. Have you ever seen I Know What You Did Last Where's Jennifer Love Hewitt spinning around in the middle of the street? Yeah, She's not in it. I don't care. That's true. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. (laughs) (laughs) Suddenly we're in agreement here. All right. Uh, Plus they made the Scream TV show, so I guess that counts. Yeah. But wasn't that pretty good, though? Did you watch that? I did not watch it, but I heard decent things. Yeah, But I I think it was only one season, maybe two. 
Nah, there's more than that. There was way more than that. Scream on MTV. Oh, I think there's like four or four seasons. Maybe. Yeah, I feel like it was it's gotta be. I think ten. it was four or five. Oh, uh, I guess it was you only guys, three. The original Urban Legend has Jared Leto in it. <laughs> oh, what a you're really Oh, you mean this. cult leader Jared Leto? And the girl with the crazy eyes. <laughs> cult leader Hold on, Jared Leto. Can we Leto talk about that? So this crazy is cult. This is yeah, legitimate. Yeah, let's talk about this real quick. This is legitimate? Like, he actually has this cult? He runs this cult? Yes, he runs this cult. So, uh, I have to look this up, because I know I sent this to you guys uh, via text last week, I think. From um, Twitter. Yeah, so there's this cult <coughs> that Jared Leto started. <laughs> uh, hold on. Let me just look this up. 30 Seconds to Mars, Jared Leto started a cult. So, there's an entire article... Uh, but he devoted, like retweeted there's, this there's numbers and just of said, articles. Yes, I do, right? Or like, yes, it's a cult. Like, <laughs> yeah, they're like, yeah, it is. I'm in a cult. Deal with it. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, there's all sorts of videos and like <laughs> interviews of not just Jared Leto, but all the people that like paid to go to this thing, his retreat or whatever. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, That's on an. I was on an island, right? So like a- he returned. So it's a on an island retreat that they do in Croatia. Uh, mm-hmm. For hundreds and hundreds of fans, and posted uh, the photos. <laughs> and this article says it has a People's Temple vibe. If yeah. the People's Temple had been white, because um, <laughs> there's like not a single black person in any of these pictures. And Thirty Seconds to Mars official Twitter page for the band, po- which I'm assuming is probably run by Jared Leto, um, posted a series of pictures. With the caption, yes, this is a cult, Mars Island. So that's the name of it. Um, And it's weird because everyone's wearing white. (laughs) Yeah, everybody wears white like it's a Uh suicide cult or that they're waiting for aliens or some shit. Um, They also collectively refer to themselves as the Echelon. Oh, God. Uh, What? uh, They're they're a group that seems overwhelmingly immersed not in uh, the music, but more a general sort of love for the community surrounding the band. (laughs) Uh, this apparently has been going on for a while, but uh, like there's like if you get through Twitter, there's people that uh, have like v- video footage of Jared Leto at these retreats uh, with captions that say, yes, this is a cult. And here's the prophet, uh, the maniac messiah seduction is his game. Uh Yes, it is a cult, and I'm proud to say I'm one of the believers. Um, and they use the hashtag, you wouldn't understand, which oh, is apparently Lord. something that Jared Leto often repeats. So, yeah. <laughs> he runs a fucking cult, and the the like, the like pictures and the videos are fucking terrifying. They have, like, a hand signal, which, like, I guess you make kind of like a square with like your thumb and middle fingers and then you put your index fingers together so it makes like this weird <clears throat> fucking like heart triangle thing like it's bizarre huh. i don't he's just he's so and so it gets is... it oh, gets even ahead. better because apparently uh there there's a bunch of different packages that you can purchase to go oh, to mars God, island of course of course um, there are a whole bunch of packages you can of purchase. course so <laughs> is one of them his so there are <laughs> probably um so there are day passes uh which cost $350 for a show some snacks and it does not include a photo with the band. There's a $6500 quote unquote VIP experience which offers dorm sleeping amenities um that are not shared with strangers. Okay. So I guess everybody kind of gets their own room. Um 
but yeah, it's it's fucking bizarre. So full on cult. Jared Leto throws a full on cult, and there's like pictures of him on their fucking Twitter feed that has like the <laughs> Jesus gold halo around his head and makes him look like yeah. Jesus and everything. I knew the dude was weird and kind of crazy, and I, I feel like everybody's are always known that. Right. Um, but the fact that he started like a legitimate cult. That's two of my celebrity crushes that have started cults. Who was the other one? <laughs> Andrew Keegan. <laughs> Andrew Keegan started a cult? Yes. <laughs> yep. Like a while ago. I think it's what called like f- some something full. I think it's called Full Circle or something like that. Oh, <laughs> of course. Fuck. Of and he course. got arrested. They got or they got in trouble a couple years ago for selling illegal kombucha. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, oh. full circle. Fuck, I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I don't know, man. I guess I got a thing for culty dudes. <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> he really, he really just does look like white Jesus, though. <laughs> oh, Jared like Leto. Yeah, he's been cultivating dude. that look for years. Like a hundred percent, Jesus. Like, he really he, does. He has slowly been working towards that for years, like out in the open. So anybody yeah. who's anybody who's surprised to hear this, um, where the fuck have you been? <laughs> and what have you been like reading or watching or listening to? Because uh, it, it's been pretty self-evident that Jared Leto was going to form a cult. And now we're finally there. 2020 yeah. is the perfect year for it. I'm so not surprised by this at all. Fair enough. I don't know. It just that's uh weirds me out too much, man. I can't I can't touch that one. <laughs> There's a lot so of So anyway, shit back I'm to like, Urban Legend. <laughs> that I'm like, you know, that, oh, that gives me the heebie jeebies. It's a lot of ladies. I'm looking at those pictures that they posted on their Twitter oh, yeah. feed. It's all it's all white it's, women. I it's saw all, one, it's a shit ton of white women. There mm. there's one picture I saw that had like this one overweight white guy that looked kind of young, but also looked like the kind of like lives in a basement super fan. Was it the guy in the Marvel t-shirt? <laughs> I think so. Maybe. Yeah. And he looks like that kind of like super fan person. Yeah. That, okay. like, I guarantee this person paid the $6,500 for the VIP experience. And he's the only man there. Right. Can you just tell me what was going through your mind when you wrote the kill? You- <laughs> <laughs> what about a beautiful lie? Oh. Hey now. <laughs> hey now. I would just ask him one question. What's it like to work with Nicolas Cage? Yeah. <laughs> what about kings and queens, man? <laughs> Does Nicolas Cage hate you as much as I hate you? <laughs> oh, you know Nicolas Cage hates this guy. Uh, Jesus. All right. Anyways. Back to Urban Legend. <laughs> Collider reporting that Sidney Chandler and Catherine McNamara are in talks to star in the reboot. Uh, apparently, the movie will center on a diverse cast of college students as they navigate a series of bizarre deaths that resemble urgent urban legends linked to the darkest corners of social media. Dude, I'm so Aww, excited. Social media? Uh, yeah. No, man. I'm they gotta so give excited. It that twist. Momo's going to get her movie. Right? Oh, <laughs> Momo's no, no. making a comeback. Oh, Jesus, I totally forgot about that. We're going to get Slenderman and Momo to face off against each other? Yeah. That could be hey, that could be fun. I'd see it, dude. I'm yeah. fucking hyped. I'd see it. Let's see what it's all know. about. I'm I'm interested to see the cast because I feel like that's one of the like the best parts about the original one is just like everyone that was amazing in this movie. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Tara Reid. <and> <laughs> <laughs> 
Tara Reid in her only mediocre role. <laughs> Robert England was in it. Mm. I forgot about that. Tara Reid, oh, like I said. Robert England has been in a lot of shit, though, too. He man. Has. <laughs> but can and we go, Jared he, Leto. But I think you forget. Yeah, I think you forgot Jared Leto. Cult leader Jared Cult Leto. Cult leader Jared this Leto. Is, this future, is where he started cultivating Future it. Jesus. This mm-hmm. is this is where he started cultivating it. Yeah. <laughs> Future Jesus Back before Jared he Leto. was in the reboot of Blade Runner. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Leto. Jesus Leto. Uh yeah, that's fun, I guess. Hooray. <laughs> this is, makes Palmer uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on, Fede Alvarez uh well his produced Texas Chainsaw Massacre reboot is getting a new director only one week into production. Hmm. Uh, God. That's a good sign. Back I wonder why. Last September, I guess, is when we first talked about this thing. It feels like, yeah, I guess about a year ago. Yeah. Because we were talking about Fede Alvarez, right? With uh, <laughs> how he wanted, we wanted him to like win his team to win in soccer, right? Like, yeah. yeah. What was Uruguay. it? Argentina. Uruguay. 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 That's yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I guess he, because they lost, he went on and produced this. Uh, I bet he had the script like sitting on his table during the entire World Cup. And as soon as Uruguay got knocked out, he like buried it in his backyard and like salted the fucking earth. Yeah. He's yeah. like, this will never be made. <laughs> never. Never. You had your chance and you blew it. Uh so he's producing a new take on the Texas Chainsaw Massacre for legendary films or pictures, right? It's pictures. Yeah, pictures. Um, but uh, we learned that Ryan and Andy Toehill, oh, bloody disgusting. And then by by turn us, learned that <laughs> Ryan and Andy Toehill uh, would be directing the film uh, written by Chris Thomas Devlin. But apparently all that has changed. Deadline has reported the Toehill brothers have left the project due to creative differences. Uh, the film, they note, has been a week into production in Bulgaria. Uh, David Blue Garcia has already been brought in to take the place, and um, apparently they're just going to toss all the footage of the Toehill Brothers shot. Huh. I wonder, I wonder what, what the what cre- creative yeah. differences were. I wonder what it was. It's always fun to speculate on that kind of thing. Um, they also wanted another Evil Dead and were very upset. <laughs> Uh, Fede was very upset when he showed up and found out they were filming mm-hmm. the new Evil Dead instead of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. What he said, fuck? get the fuck out I, or I, I will bury you, you next to the script. <laughs> I told you that script is to remain buried. <laughs> <laughs> Damn you, Uruguay. <laughs> Damn you, Uruguay. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm interested in figuring out what it what is too. Maybe we can find yeah. some leaks of the script or something. I'd like to hear learns. the drama. Yeah, and, and dig into this because it's always fun to figure out what happened there. But like, did they read the script before taking the job? Though I don't understand like where the creative differences would have come from. Like, I would have figured like they would have discussed most of these things up front. No. Yeah, you'd think, but you know, maybe they're taking some. Maybe they were hoping <laughs> if they were far away in Bulgaria, they'd be able to take more creative liberties. Mm. I don't know. And Fede maybe. came in. He was like, "No, sir, no <laughs> way, today. Jose." Um, <laughs> I mean, it could be like a clash with one of the actors that happens, and is usually like named creative differences. Yeah, just so yeah. that they're not like outing anybody. Yeah. Nice. So apparently the. The cast uh, includes Elsie Fisher, Sarah Yarkin, Jacob Lattimore, and Mo Dunford. Oh, it's definitely Sarah Larkin. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't know who this woman is. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, I mean, that's 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 cool. I guess we're going to get a whole new franchise out of this regardless. I want just wonder what it was. I bet it was just yeah, probably wanted to make some script changes and didn't mm-hmm. get approval, so he's like, I'm done with this. I don't want to do it then anymore. I'm we taking leaving. my ball. I'm going home. We leaving. Uh, next up, the thing. <laughs> one one of the literally the greatest horror films of all time is getting a. a uh, I don't know. How do you reboot. feel about this, Palmer? <laughs> I, well, I don't know. It's, it's like a sequel, right? I don't sort know of? if it's supposed to be a sequel or if it's like a rebooting. It seems like. Um, that's what Jason Blum said, but I've read stuff since saying that this might just be like a continuation of the franchise. Uh, okay. I don't really know what the situation is yet, but um, John Carpenter basically revealed at Fantasia International Film Festival um, that the thing was the film that he was most proud of and teased mm-hmm. That something was going to be coming. And Jason Blum, uh, well, during an interview with uh, Jason Blum, Carpenter Tease, he thinks he's going to be working on rebooting the thing and he may be involved with it uh, down the road. I don't know if that means that, yes, it's supposed to happen and COVID has delayed everything or uh, if it's supposed to be a full on reboot or if they're just rebooting the franchise. I, I don't know. But as Carpenter being involved gives me. Um, less pause than i think i would have had um but then again i really didn't i really didn't like halloween (laughs) so i don't know you know how much that really is gonna save things um i don't know there was supposed to be a remember we talked about it at one point that frozen hell uh was found and that there was going to be a film adaptation in the works i don't know if this is what it's supposed to be um but once again, him saying that rebooting the thing to Jason Bloom in an interview is kind of what's throwing it off. Because I think a lot of people would have just immediately assumed it was going to be Frozen Hell. Yep. But when you say reboot, that's what everybody's going to latch on to. So, I don't know. We'll see what happens with it. If I, I really do. Ho- I hope it's not just a reboot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I hope if they really make Frozen Hell that they'll make it like a proper adaptation and kind of see where it goes and use Carpenter as kind of like consult a uh, consultant more than anything else. That'd be, mm-hmm. that would be the dream, I think. Um, but if that's wasn't enough for you, we're also getting a reboot of the exorcist that's <laughs> aiming so for a 2021 <laughs> release. Yeah. Like, a, like legitimately one of the most perfect films. And like, I so like, I reread the book, right. Uh, or not reread mm-hmm. it. I read the book for the first time, um, at the beginning of the COVID crisis. And, uh, really enjoyed it. And I really think that this story holds up, well, uh, I rewatched the movie mm-hmm. and I actually rewatched the extended cut. Um, probably like, I guess back when I first gathered this, this news, which I think was about two weeks ago. And I think the extended cut is the, a, the better film and B like still really stands up. So I'm just like, I'm not sure what the point of this is. Uh, I'd say the one thing that could probably be improved upon is, is, like the confusion about the demon. <laughs> like, like, yeah, <laughs> I think they could probably improve upon that, but I, I just don't know how, and I don't know that that is worth it. Um, cause the original one is just, I don't know. It's such a classic. Right, we, we haven't covered that one yet. Have we? We have not. We haven't. We have, I feel like we were like, we've mentioned it a number of times and we were like, ah, it's like a really cliche pick. Yeah. Um, 
one of these days we'll get around to it. But yeah, I don't know. Morgan Creek is just saying that they're that it's going to happen. But like they came out and tweeted that they're not trying to remake The Exorcist. So I don't really know. What What is the difference between a reboot and a remake? So like I guess the the (laughs) reboot is supposed to be like when you take like the general idea, the general concept, uh, and and use the name, but go in like a different direction with it, or try to go in a different direction with it, or or add your own original elements to the to the story, whereas a remake is supposed to be like a complete like do over. Yeah. um, Okay. But then, like, as I say that, like, I really don't, except for Psycho, I can't think of a single remake that's actually a complete do-over. Uh, yeah. I feel like if it's close enough that you can call it a remake. Right, 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 right. Um, so I'm not really sure how to feel about this one either. We've talked about The Exorcist plenty of times on the podcast, <laughs> and everybody's got their own opinions on this thing. But generally, like, I don't know. I This is... I'm going to take my boomer hat and stand on my boomer like fucking soapbox and say that this isn't a movie that should be remade. But hey, you know. <laughs> so what if they're just doing like uh, what Halloween did with the whole we're going to reboot this franchise and the first movie is going to still be canon. Mm. But lose and two? everything that was done after that is no longer canon. And so this is their way of getting rid of Exorcist 2. I w- if they're uh, going to do that, then I would prefer that they kept that they keep three also and just say, all right, yes. <laughs> three happens. Here's, here's, we're going to pretend second, the second one never happened. Here's three. We're going to continue mm-hmm. off three. And Sam, that wasn't a reboot. That was a reimagining. <laughs> What's the difference? <laughs> I remember that specifically being the verbiage. It's a reimagining of the Halloween. Yeah. Aren't they all just the same <laughs> three different words for the same fucking thing? No. <laughs> Yes. It's different. <laughs> it's different. One has a B in it. One of <laughs> One them has, has a imagine because imagine. you get to imagine it all over again. That's Very crazy. Specific. Uh next up, and this one's kind of interesting. This could be fun. Uh granted, this is all just somebody claiming that they want to do it. There's nothing definite here. Uh I wanna do I it. I wanna do it. Uh John Wick director Chad Stahelski um, has basically come out and said, "Hey, I want to, I want to direct the new Blade film. Let me do it. Mm. I mean, <laughs> let me add it. Let me add if he's it. gonna turn Mahershala Ali into a black John Wick vampire, I'm like I'm fucking all in. Yeah. That sounds dude. fucking dope. <laughs> I am so fucking in, dude. Like, and maybe they'll just like invite Wesley Snipes for a cameo and That'd be, be like." Amazing. You can act as like old grandpa Blade and you can stay in character like you uh-huh. did when filming Blade 2 and 3 and we'll pay you like I don't know $200,000 to come stand on set for like 45 minutes cuz we know you're broke. Um and at the end we'll just kill you. Hmm. That sounds like a good deal for everybody. Oh, yeah, honestly. <laughs> I feel like everybody wins in that circumstance. <laughs> yeah, I mean <laughs> You get snipes just in the background, just being like, yeah, tax evasion. (laughs) (laughs) Make it out to cash. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But Chad uh, came out and said, if the opportunity ever came, I would like to take a stab at it. I see what he did there. Uh, The only one that really jumps out to me is something like Blade. Uh, If they're going to redo Blade or something like that, just because I feel that one, for some reason, the vampire martial art action vibe, that would be cool to try to stretch and reinvent. 
Um, I agree. I think you should do that. <laughs> Just please make it happen. I'd pay a lot of money to go see that. Um, and by a lot of money, I, I mean buy a movie ticket. Buy a movie ticket. <laughs> I buy a movie ticket on yeah. my couch. I, yeah, exactly. But no, don't make it $20. <laughs> yeah. Just want to pay 10 Yeah, just want to pay 10 Come on. Come on. Uh, but remember we had talked at, that they're talking about like making this a PG-13 franchise and like making it part of the greater Marvel universe. Yes. Boo. Um, I mean. Yeah, boo. I'm fine with it, I guess. I, I would like to see an R-rated blade, but I don't think it's going to happen. So I'm going to I'm going to step off my boomer soapbox there. And I was going to say, you've been on your boomer soapbox for a minute there, Palmer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it has to be R-rated. <laughs> Um, that's fine. What I are the John Wick care. films, right? Are those? They're all R. They and are. They are. Blade all one R. and two were yes. R. And was Blade Trinity R or PG thirteen? It was R. All of them were R. All Everything's yeah. R. 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 Uh, yeah. I John Wick films were R rated, but aside from Jesus, uh, aside from like language and uh, that's really about it. I don't really think that they needed to be R-rated until the third one. The third one's very R-rated, but I don't think that the first two really needed to be. It's like how Halo's rated M, but it's really just teen. That was basically the John Wick films. Um, there's my comparison to Halo, because everything deserves to be compared to Halo. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> uh, 32 minutes in. Yep. The CW is picking up Swamp Thing. No, they're not making new episodes, but yes, they are taking it from the DC streaming service and putting it up on the CW, which is fucking awesome because it gives more people a chance to see this truly, truly fucking amazing TV show um, that got canceled the moment it was released. <laughs> Do you still have that um, streaming service? Uh, I bought, I saw our Ash and I share an account. <laughs> Does that okay. streaming service it's, even still exist? Yes, 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 okay. yes. Uh, I forgot about that. Uh, they're working like we... a new season of Doom Patrol and like some other stuff. Alex, you forgetting about it about as quickly as you heard about it is the exact reason why Swamp Thing was canceled the day it was even released. <laughs> yeah. Um, I did until I saw this article. I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot that was a thing. Actually, I don't even think it was like the day, right? It was like the night before it got released. <laughs> they were just <laughs> like, like, by the way, we're only not getting this. a second season. Yeah. So anyways, really what I'm hoping for here is <laughs> is uh, that more people watch it. There's more of a I hope that this show gets a Hannibal like following. That starts to beg for a season two, and let's just let's just dive right in. I uh, I think this show is a little too dark for the CW, but yeah, yeah, CW is a real interesting choice for picking this up. I mean, it makes sense from the fact that like this is the WB's channel, right? Like, yeah, Warner I feel Brothers like this is the this. perfect thing to end up on Sci-Fi because it's already been canceled. <laughs> yeah, but then it would never get a chance to take off the ground. I don't want it's it to true. be. It's, I want this show to, to flourish. Uh, and I like Derek Mears a lot. So give him more work. Uh, Who's that? He uh, was in the Friday the 13th reboot. He played Jason oh, in the Friday okay. the 13th reboot. Uh, and obviously Swamp Thing in this. He's pretty good. And is the uh, titular guy in too much makeup type yeah. role. Um, he was also in the remake of uh, The Hills Have Eyes. Yeah, man, it's like actually a It's a also fucking bit, like the show was show. written by some um, really good fucking writers. I would say too, even if like, you're not a fan of comic books, it it is something you should watch. It's quite good. 
Um, we were talking about Batfleck earlier, and here's another reason to talk about it again. Because Ben Affleck's <laughs> we Batman... We talked about it for like 45 minutes. <laughs> ben Affleck's Batman will return in IT director Andy Muschietti's version of The Flash. And Andy Muschietti is literally the only reason we're going to talk about this at all. Uh, yeah, this, <laughs> this news Andy Muschietti right was the reason right that Palmer had to I just saw shoe on this just like fucking Batflex. news. Let's go into this episode <laughs> just so he could talk uh, about Vanity the Batman. Fair has confirmed that Affleck will be playing Batman <laughs> in the upcoming DC movie, The Flash. Uh, so that means that both Michael Keaton's Bruce Wayne and Ben Affleck's Bruce Wayne will appear in the very same fucking movie. <laughs> Because it's going to split the DC multiverse open, which is just, I'm very excited. <laughs> this is it right here. We have a chance for George Clooney Batman to be this next is the to moment they've been waiting Batman for. to be next to Batfleck, to be next to fucking like Christopher Nolan Batman. Let's fucking do it. Let's just fuck it. Let's go. Let's go. Don't even think about it. Just enjoy it. That's all I want to say about this. The Flash is currently scheduled to make... All my dreams are reality in 2022. I don't know how to feel about Andy Muschietti directing it, though. We'll see. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, I thought it part one was very good. Yeah, that's true. I think I think it part two was also directed very well. I think the writing fell short. I did, especially around the time Alex had to leave. Uh, Where is it on Hulu? Or I watched it online somewhere. I did finally finish it, and you're right; they just bullied each other. Yeah, that was (laughs) into that was defeating the clown. Moral of the story at the end of it: Don't bully. Don't Uh, be a bully. Yeah, Embeth Davids with the T Z at the end of the (laughs) name, Uh, and Rufus Sewell will join the cast of M Night Shyamalan's next thriller. Um, yes. The guy who manages to knock one out of the park and then shit out the other and then knock one out of the park <laughs> and then shit out the other. Uh, he's getting ready to what? Knock this, one out of the park again. Is this one a knock one? Yeah. Out of the where, park? Where, so where, where on this timeline well, are we right depends. now? What, what's well, up what next? Was his last one was, um, that was like his multiverse, right? That was like was, his multiverse film. Wasn't his, that his last? Yeah, one? it was, yeah. uh, and it was mediocre. Was, was it? Was split the second one or the third? What, glass, yeah, yeah. glass. Is what it was. Or no, glass. And that one was pretty mediocre. Glass so the third one. This one will probably be amazing. Hell yeah! Uh, the upcoming untitled thriller is being uh, distributed by Universal Pictures. The first of two he's working on for the studio. Um, oh, I'm, sweet! So he's already got the shitty one lined up too. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> he's he's already shitting out that with one. Him. It probably is. He's just got his asshole wide open and he's just ready to poop it right out. Uh, <laughs> just, here it is. No, Universal. come on. You got it. <laughs> I fucking love his movie. <laughs> you guys are so, you guys are rude. I feel, I feel personally attacked. I do. <laughs> I do. Like, I made it myself. Like, I pooped it out myself. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Deadline has reported that the two have joined the cast of the film, along with uh, Iman Elliott. Uh, the ensemble also includes Gail Garcia Bernal, Alex Wolf, Eliza, Eliza Scanlon, Thomason McKenzie, Aaron Pierre, Abby Lee, 
and a whole bunch more. Uh, filming will begin on the Untitled movie, which Shyamalan is being or er, describing as a uh, weird and dark film. Um, Shocking! It's that's yeah. What a great what was a great Alex, sales pitch. Was Alex Wolf the one who played the brother in Hereditary? Yes. I think. Oh, okay. I do like him. Yeah. Uh, so the film's currently scheduled to premiere July 23rd, 2021. Oh, dope. Ooh. Alex's birthday for next yeah, year. We're going to go see the Shamalama Ding Dong Thank God it won't be a corn concert. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. If corn is coming, then we're absolutely going to go to that. <laughs> this is a backup in case corn's not playing. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Please I don't play. <laughs> the the preview to the corn concert we we, we yeah. see this first and then oh, so go to the is, concert this is a or we go to the concert and then we, and then we can the get concert. hung over and go to the movies the next day oh yeah. my god please oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. all right so 10 years the walking dead is slowly looking like a reality because a new generation of zombie slayers is rising according to bloody disgusting in the walking dead world beyond trailer that's no, make the, it the stop. first the first sentence of this article is the end of the world was their beginning. Oh my god, that's such like <laughs> I do appreciate that they've at least come out and said that this is a already limited two season series. Oh, it's only two seasons. Don't worry about it. It's only two seasons. Uh co-created by Scott M. Gimple and showrunner Matt Neg- Negret? Yeah. Negreedy? Yeah. Uh, World Beyond stars Aaliyah Royale, Alexa Monsur, uh, Anit Mahendro. Uh, Mahendro. Yeah, that's it. Uh, Nicholas Cantu, Hal Cumston, Nico Tortorella. 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 Nico Tortorella. That's it. And Julia Ormond. Uh, It's being produced by MC. A big surprise there. Kids grew up in the apocalypse and had to learn how to deal with it. Here's yeah, two seasons that, worth of TV for you. Yeah. Um, it should just be 20 hour-long episodes of one-eyed Carl wandering around aimlessly in the wasteland, <laughs> screaming, my name's not fucking Coral. Coral. <laughs> I would watch that. Yeah. I mean. Just go completely bonkers and meta with it. Just, yeah. His whole life is just a meme. <laughs> that's where that's where we're going with this so uh, is it just a bunch of kids yeah okay yeah uh the walking dead world beyond expands the universe of the walking dead delving into new mythology and a story that follows the first generation raised in uh in a surviving civilization of the post-apocalyptic world two sisters along with two friends leave a place of safety and comfort to brave dangers known and unknown living and undead on an important quest. Wow. Yeah, I don't know. Some that will become seems- heroes. Some will become villains. But all of them will find the truce they seek. Uh, yes, this sounds exactly like literally all of the other seasons of all of the other <laughs> Walking Dead. Yes. It's a real hard sell. Like, it's the same fucking show. Yeah. Yeah, yeah just a new cast. It's a new cast, and it's the same thing. Pretty much. Pretty much. Over and over again. It's like they can't, they can't come up with any better ideas. Ten more years. <laughs> Ten more years. Ten more years. Uh, they should just take that thing out back and shoot it. They, they, they have, <laughs> then it would just rise from the dead, Alex. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> You're right. 
<laughs> it already has. Somebody already did. That's the problem. Somebody That's already did take it out That's what's happening literally right now. <laughs> uh, Neon sets an October release date for Brandon Cronenberg's Possessor. We talked about this trailer a few weeks back, probably about a month ago, I think, at this Super point. Super excited. Um, yeah. This movie just looks batshit and insane. If you haven't seen the trailer, it's fucking, it's striking visually. It looks compelling narratively. It's fucking brutal as fuck. <laughs> like, yeah. It's, con- it's confused. It, like, he really is just taking after his father with this film uh, in so, all the best ways possible. I don't know how long the movie is. I'm going to assume probably like an hour, 45 minutes-ish. Probably, um, yeah. How long does Sean Bean survive? Sheen Bean? Sheen Bean. Oh, 15? Sean Bond? Um, 20? 46 minutes. So you don't even think he makes it to the halfway point? Nope. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> what was he in Game of Thrones? End of the first fucking first, episode? First episode? <laughs> second episode? <laughs> he was a stable character that everybody knows. <laughs> for, any, for anybody out there listening and who also has a vested interest in the demise of Sheen Bean... <laughs> Please reach out to us and let us know how long you think Scene Bean's going to survive in Possessor. <laughs> no, not long. Uh, no, he made it to the end of the season, first season, right? Right? No, I don't think he did. <laughs> I think he died in like the first couple episodes. He might have. That might have been true. Because <laughs> everyone was like, oh, wow, like I recognize him. He's like very famous. Yeah. And then he just died. He's, and that's why he's famous. <laughs> he's, the, yeah. he's the bad guy from that GoldenEye movie. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody That's probably like the longest him. he's ever survived in a film. Yeah. Were you in Lord of the Rings? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Well, which one? <laughs> which one? <laughs> uh, but this movie looks incredible. Uh, I'm really stoked to check it out. And it's coming out October 9th, 2020. Um, it is coming to standard movie theaters, drive in movie theaters on that date. Uh, mm. And it's fully uncut form. Um, no word on digital release for that, which is a bit disappointing, but that's okay. I guarantee it'll probably be out like by December, I'd imagine, for yeah. a digital release. Um, for those that don't want to brave the movie theater. Oh. <laughs> that's why I like that it's going to the drive-in. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, for sure. I'd go uh, see this at the drive-in. Yeah, I would too. There's a bunch of stuff I wouldn't mind go seeing the new train to Busan at the drive-in. Like, there's a whole bunch of shit that I would like to go check out. Drive-in theaters. Uh, next up, Scream Factory. Yeah, those guys. They keep hitting it out of the park with a movie that I really don't give a shit about this time, but it's sitting it out of the park. Ghost Ship. They're giving it a Blu-ray. Includes some new interviews, new commentary track, a whole bunch of other stuff. Uh... This movie really made famous because of its first 15 minutes and nothing else. Uh, it's the first time it's come out, I think, with this extensive of a release on Blu-ray. It's uh, coming out September 29th, 2020. The 2002 film uh, comes packed to the gills with an interview for, featuring Isaiah Washington, um, an interview with producer Gil, Jill Adler, uh, an interview with the makeup effects supervisor, Jason Barrett, which is always fun. Those end up always being really fun interviews. Um, audio commentary with director Steve Beck and a uh, bunch of featurettes, a whole bunch of featurettes. So if you're a really big fan of Ghost Ship, this is your, this is your, um, this is your chance. I don't is know. Is anybody a really big fan of Ghost Ship? I think, well, a lot of people talk about the opening. 
Okay, yeah. That's really about it. Like, anytime anybody mentions Ghost Ship, they're always just like, yeah, man, the first fucking 15 minutes were great. <laughs> That's true. And then nobody has anything else to say about that <laughs> no, movie. About the rest of the movie, <laughs> which everybody, I think was kind of mediocre. <laughs> yeah, everybody just kind of forgets about how the rest of the movie was because, yeah. you know, that's a thing. Also, speaking of, like, cutting-edge fucking CGI from that point in time, apparently they are still making Starship Troopers films. Oh, yeah. What? Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, there are there are like a whole bunch of them on fucking Amazon Prime. There's like six of them. <laughs> Me and so Kelly were scrolling I've, through them the other day, and we were just like, "I've Why? seen the first, I've seen <laughs> the first three. See, I haven't even seen. I don't think I've even seen the second one. Yeah, Marauders was the last one that I saw. Maybe I have. Uh, which was 2008. Uh huh. Um, and then Invasion was 2012, which I haven't seen. And 2017 was Traitor of Mars. And I think there's a new one. That's yeah, currently... there's one that just came back out because Casper, Casper Van Diem's in it. Yeah, because they're just screaming recall the entire time. <laughs> I'm just like, okay, this is stupid, but uh, that's the thing. But amazing. Yeah, I guess. I mean, power, power to the people that managed to keep making Starship Troopers films <laughs> because I don't know what else to say about that. Uh, next up, Stephen King's The Stand is uh coming to cbs all access in december we've talked about this one a whole bunch of times i was really hype about it because marilyn manson was going to be in it and then Whoopi joined in and we were always i was all all on my boomer soapbox saying i don't want marilyn manson to be the bad guy in this film he's the bad bad guy in this film i'm gonna be very upset and uh yeah that turned out to be not the case and then i i even threatened to not watch it and that turned out to be not the case and now i'm back in but it's it's the other guy that that's always in a whole bunch of stuff that i still don't think is going to be the best pick for this role, but at least... Do you not like Alex Skarsgård? I like him, but I don't think that he's a good pick for this role. Okay. He's supposed to be, like, super flamboyant, and I guess in this version he's going to be reserved and quiet and... and um, More Alexander Skarsgård-y. Yeah. I mean, the show's got a absurd cast. Like It does, yes. The cast is actually fucking outstanding. And it's quite a good story. Like, it really is. I know uh, Stephen King's completely rewriting the ending, um mm. himself for this but this is this that is, could be good that could be yeah. bad yeah well i was gonna say that this is like one of the few books that he's ever written that actually has a really good <laughs> so he's trying to he's trying to stephen Damn. king it. he's just got to stephen king it up a little bit yeah no it's yeah. great it's great you know, though like can't we can't have these good stephen king endings floating around out there it's dangerous it's just a, yeah. it's just a, it, the ending you 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 close the book and you're like that was an amazing story and the ending was just fine thanks thanks stephen <laughs> the king ending was just for, fine. for making the ending just fine <laughs> i really appreciate that man it's a, har- a harrowing story though uh uh, if you guys, if you have not read the book, I strongly suggest reading it. Um, it's like three million pages, but it's wonderful. Um, nice. I have to finish. I'm reading it right now. Once I finish. Oh, that are one. you? Oh, yeah. It's about. I think it's about the same. It might be like a couple same. hundred pages longer than it. Okay. Uh. But it, does it, the fact that Josh Boone is the director worry you at all? Um. It would if if HBO uh, or sorry if CBS All Access hasn't already proven itself a few times with its okay. shows. Uh, like like Picard has been has been really really fucking good. Um, I think, and I'm not even like a huge Star Trek fan. Um, and I've been I've I loved Picard. Um, mm. I have really no attachment to to 
TNG whatsoever and really loved that series. Um, and so I, I don't know, like they, the first season Twilight Zone is pretty good. I haven't watched any of the second season, although I've heard it's mediocre. Like I, I trust them to do good stuff. They seem to be trying to compete with HBO. Um, and as a result, they're pumping out some really good quality stuff. So as long as they kind of keep that, that, Per, the other thing that I actually really appreciate about their shows is that they add just enough edge to make them uh, more mature, but like they don't really like like Picard. Like every once in a while, just, there's just an f bomb that's just dropped, right. uh, but that's all that really makes it edgy. It's I guess it's a little more violent, uh, but it's like it feels like still like very grounded sci fi storytelling. Um, and so I hope that they kind of like keep that flowing with this. Because uh, this story isn't really like hyper violent or anything like that. It's just it's just an apocalyptic tale. That's all about a civil war. <laughs> like, uh, so I don't know really how like violent it needs to get. And I feel like if it was like with HBO and stuff, it would probably be like off the deep end. So we'll see what CBS does with it. I'm I'm trusting it to be good. It's nine nine episodes. It's a limited series. We're gonna get them weekly until it's all done, and then it will be all available for streaming. We'll all be able to tune into Randall Flag for the first time, uh, and and enjoy him. I guess I don't know. Also, just don't watch. Don't I don't know. There are people out there that have have talked about the original miniseries. Mm-hmm. I don't understand how you can defend it. It's not good. <laughs> like I really, I love all walks of life of people that that enjoy horror but damn it it's it, i don't know not if you like it's the not if you yeah. <laughs> that's where I, I reach my limit i think where you draw the line i can't i can't be involved in that <laughs> it's just it's not a good series you don't want anything to do with them no uh so i'm hoping that this will be better also i really like that photo of Whoopi with the gray hair right just like, she looks like looks yoda great. dude looking straight up like yoda <laughs> She does look like Yoda. That's, that's just Whoopi on Dagobah. <laughs> that's true. I know. Uh, it's fucking great. I'm I'm stoked for it. All right, Sam, you got yeah. the next segment, buddy. You got some now slant for us. I do. All right, let's get into it. Hit me with those new releases, baby. Yeah, All right, so yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the <laughs> big on, let thing. Me do my part. <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry. I forgot you had to harmonize with Palmer there. <laughs> um, the big releases to pay attention to uh, over the last couple of weeks. Uh, August 21st on Shutter, we got The Pale Door, uh, where the Dalton gang finds shelter in seemingly uninhabited ghost town after a chain robbery goes south. Seeking help for their wounded leader, they're surprised to stumble upon a welcoming brothel in the town square, but the beautiful women who greet them are actually a coven of witches with very mm. sinister plans. And the battle between good and evil is just beginning. Hmm. Uh, so it's, it's got a little bit of everything that I feel like would uh, get Palmer's attention, especially as uh, you know he's been knee-deep in Red Dead Redemption 2. Right. Really little, just the poker at this point. Well, maybe there's <laughs> poker in this. Um... The next one is a. Uh, I'm super hyped for this. Uh, we've talked about this one on and off, uh, but Train to Busan sequel yeah. Peninsula got a yeah. limited theatrical release on August 21st, and it's coming to Shutter later this year. But there is no official release date. Um, but this does have showtimes currently, at least in uh, Short Pump, um, yeah. in like the middle of the day. 
which oh, I nice. feel is like the perfect time to go because I feel like nobody's going to go see it in the middle of the day. For I'm not me, entirely sure if anyone's really going to go me, see it. For me, it's more just like, how well are they honestly cleaning that place? That's true. You have I don't to sanitize really t- your own seats. Honestly, I would probably just stand in the aisle. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's better or worse. <laughs> <laughs> well, then just burn my shoes afterwards. Oh, okay, okay. Like, don't touch anything. Just stand there in the aisle and just burn my shoes afterwards. Okay. Um, but this movie's set four years after uh, Train to Busan and revolves around, I'm going to say it terribly, uh, but Young Shok. Uh, a soldier who previously escaped the disease wasteland relives the horror when assigned to a covert op with two simple objectives, achieve and survive. Uh, but his team stumbles upon survivors and their lives will depend on whether the best or worst of human nature prevails mm-hmm. in the worst of circumstances. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I've heard this, next up. I've heard this referred to as like a blend of Mad Max and Train to Busan, which did I like that, I'm fucking that. I can't sold. get any physically harder <laughs> Jesus like if you're if you're combining those two movies what the fuck next we can't skip this one it finally happened sure? it finally finally happened the new mutants hit theaters uh, uh, everybody out there knows what this is it's a cursed film with a higher than expected rating on Rotten Tomatoes sitting at a whopping 28% is, is it really is, a, is that has the Rotten Tomatoes released it uh, which oh, is about God, 20% higher than I would have expected it to be and that's the critic rating the fan score is at like a 50 something uh, okay um, I vaguely remember like I don't know six months ago I said that what was it if it got higher than 50% I would get I would let you guys pick a tattoo yeah for me. yeah yeah <laughs> Damn it, dude. I'm actually disappointed. <laughs> yeah. Um, but this is a cursed film. There's no doubt in my mind about it. So see it at your own risk. Um, but finally, the movie that we're talking about tonight was released recently. It came out August 20th on Shudder. Uh, it's about comic books, violence, and an inspired killer. We've got strained relationships, a great big whodunit. Uh, and this week, we're letting our heads roll with the Canadian equivalent of a Law & Order SVU feature-length movie. Random acts of Canadian violence. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. 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 Here's a a review for New Mutants. As a comic book fan, I'm disappointed. As a horror fan, I'm offended. (laughs) This grasps at so many things but never connects. And the fact that Fox repeatedly delayed the film makes complete sense. (laughs) I knew it wasn't going to get terrible reviews. Hardest Uh, PG-13 Ever. That makes me hard, you guys. <laughs> Alex not having to get new a new mutants. tattoo. <laughs> oh, God. Every bad review for New Mutants just makes me harder and harder. That's rough. <laughs> the entire film comes <laughs> off like a warm can of diet soda. <laughs> well yeah, said. Well I spent said. A- I, I did spend a good amount of time going through the reviews on Rotten Tomatoes, and they are fucking perfect. Yeah, that's I'm going to read them before I go to bed instead of watching porn tonight. <laughs> It'll get you the exact same, if not better, effect. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. I didn't mean to interrupt you. I just I had to read whatever. Continue no, you're on, good. sir. We've got random acts of Canadian violence. Oh, yeah. That is our main event now. Are you guys ready? Story. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to tonight's main event. All right, this week's main event, Random Acts of Violence, directed 
by none other than Jay Baruchel, uh, starring Jesse Williams as Todd Walkley, Jordana Brewster as Kathy. Oh, somebody likes Jesse Williams. Uh, <laughs> Jordana Brewster as Kathy, uh, Niam Wilson as Aurora, and Jay Baruchel as Ezra, Todd's friend. Um, and manager? Yeah, right? and manager. Well, oh, doesn't he like, own, he owns the comics, right? Like the uh, indie comic, I mean. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think so. All right. So the screenplay is by Jay Baruchel and uh, Jesse Chabot. Um, the film, I don't know. It started in July. Filming began in July of 2018. Uh, it took place over 19 days and included shots in uh, Hamilton, Ontario, Toronto, uh, which is where the principal photography existed. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I, I, it's it's a movie about a road trip at its heart. And it's one that tries to delve a little bit more into um, saying something about society, uh, whether or not society thrives on violence or if violence is created by things within society i it's one of those movies that really tries to say a whole bunch of things all at once and i think it kind of ends up falling flat i know alex disagrees but i think sam agrees with me on this one so it's like two against one and for once it's not you two ganging up on me um, <laughs> how does be it a feel welcome change to you yeah <laughs> uh it feels it feels liberating to say the least uh so uh, the film jumped into pro- post-production sometime in October of 2018. Baruchel edited the film, and uh, he did it between balancing his time uh, filming How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World, and, uh, I don't know, doing interviews, uh, stand-up comedy, all sorts of other stuff. Um, this movie, you'd expect it to be a horror comedy, Right. You'd expect That's, it to be something like you see Jay, Bar- Jay Baruchel uh, attached to this movie, and immediately mm-hmm. in my head, I'm just like, "This is going to be all, a whole bunch of laughs and some yeah. gore," and I know what to expect from this. That's what I thought going into it. Um, I will say it was refreshing in the sense that it was not at all that. While it sort of yeah. comes across as a horror comedy for the first like what 15 minutes or so, like once mm-hmm. they get once they get into the U.S. Uh, and yeah. get through the very first interview uh, that Todd has on his, on the course of his road trip. This movie takes like a hard turn and becomes very much like thriller horror uh, and embraces being a slasher. It doesn't try to jump across genres. It just it I will say it's simplistic in knowing what it's trying to be in terms of tone. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know that it's simplistic and knowing what it is in any other aspect um i will say preface before we get into the synopsis of this film i really enjoyed the first half to three quarters i really liked this killer i really liked the the tone of the film i really liked the uh practicality of the murders they were brutal and violent without being like over the top and they felt especially the we'll talk about it more in depth here in a second but the very first murder scene where he uh mm. kills everybody in the van uh yeah. triadic or whatever yeah the yeah uh that felt like like 
awfully real. (laughs) (laughs) That was very well shot and very well put together. Um, And when, when the movie focuses on being this really brutal slasher, um, it's quite good. I think when it tries to add some philosophy to everything is where it starts to lose me at least a little Mm -hmm. bit. Um, but Palmer, does art imitate life? <laughs> just, uh, we're gonna talk about we're gonna talk about this this movie's intro here because uh, poorly done, cel shaded renderings appear uh, as a killer bearing a welder's mask slaughters a police officer and chases a child through a church. Um, comic book cells appear. The opening lines are read by an as of yet unknown female. Um, The words are as follows. There can be no beginning without an end. There can be no darkness without color and light. There can be no accidents without their first being a design. Enter truth, cold-hearted and unforgiving, specific. It's Jordana Brewster. It's obviously (laughs) saying this stuff, right? (laughs) Yes. 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 The closer. She has a very distinct voice. Yeah, Yeah. she really does. The closer you look at anything, the less you will see. Eventually, something you know and understand becomes an expanding myriad of possibilities. I feel like you're poking fun. She doesn't say it like that. Its original purpose and meaning all but completely evaporated. Truth is the force perspective that mutates the abstract into reality real art is born from truth everything else is masturbation wow when you read it like that it sounds so much so, so fake much art is just jerking off yes pretty much that's okay. pretty much but they change they change the way that sentence is read at the end of the film right it's it's everything else is uh, it's not master i can't remember what it was i didn't write down that version of it but the the ending the yeah, last the movie, couple the movie words closes are, with a very similar uh phrasing yeah, I right. think it's pretty much all the same except for the last sentence. It's like real except art is born. Part. Yeah, everything else is something. Yeah, I can't remember what it is. Um, I meant to actually go look that up before we started recording, but I totally forgot until right now. So deal with it. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> go look it up yourselves. <laughs> uh, our group of Canadian misfits, they uh, basically Todd is the creator of Slasher Man. Slasher Man is based on a killer that, what was it, like a decade before had killed a whole mm-hmm. bunch of people on I-90. It was the I-90 killer from like... 20 years prior. Was it 20 years? Okay. Uh, so he he had, what, nine victims? Is that what it was in total? Yeah, I think so. Uh, and it might have been more than 20 years. No, I think 20 sounds yeah, right. Yeah, I think 20 sounds well, about right. Well, the reason I say it might have been more than 20 years is because at this point, they all appear to be well into their 30s. Yeah, I guess that's I true. I think they're supposed to be playing younger characters, though. I assumed that they were in their 30s, but I mean, somewhere between 20 and 30 years prior. They're just hardened by the by the uh, the world of indie comics. (laughs) (laughs) It's brutal. Just trying to survive in that realm. Uh, So they decide. So basically, Todd is in the process of writing the last issue of Slasher Man, and he can't come up with the sending. He hands this uh, to to Jordana Brewster, who's supposed to be his wife, right? Girlfriend. Girlfriend. Uh he hands off the script to her and this is what she's reading. This is the way that it currently ends. This is how it stands. Um, and she does not seem that impressed. <laughs> she, no. <laughs> uh, I've she, never seen someone laugh at somebody else without actually laughing. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it was very impressive. 
Yeah. She's good at that. Um, he looks a little more hurt by it than I think she meant to leave him with, but it's one of those things where you're writing a slasher comic book about a killer that existed in real life. Like how much depth do you think your audience really wants? Um, and he makes a bit of a, and of it, like an off color comment about it after, after she reveals that she doesn't, she's not really that impressed with the way that he's ending. He's like, every time I try to like give them a little substance, they reject it or something like that. Uh, so anyways, this road trip is meant to be like, it's like every fucking like girls road trip movie. Like they have to just, he has to discover something about himself. Like think about every single, like, <laughs> like female centered, like road trip film. And this really isn't meant to be as sexist as it sounds. It really does sound quite sexist <laughs> okay. right now. But, Carry on then. But, <laughs> With that caveat in but place. What, like, 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 I, well, I guess it's really just any uh, no, Any that one, that one movie. with that one with Cameron Diaz really springs to mind. Uh, <laughs> For some reason, I thought you were going to say the one with Britney Spears. <laughs> Crossroads. I did. I did listen to that uh, page seven podcast series that they did on Britney Spears and like how oh. uh, fucked up her life is. Yeah. Holy Free Britney, sh- you guys. Yeah, dude. I, well, I don't know about all that. She seems a little cray cray, but uh, <laughs> um, she had a really messed up life. And if anybody deserves to be cray cray it's her (laughs) like it's understandable i guess is what i'm trying to say uh anyways i lost my train of thought because of britney they're on a very a thought they're on a girl's road trip yes they're on a girl's road trip trip trying to discover something about himself or themselves (laughs) to to i don't know get this spark this creative flow going so uh jay baroshell the manager of uh uh of this comic I guess what do you a publisher this indie publisher is, has scheduled this road trip with a whole bunch of different interviews throughout the heartland of America that are going up and down I ninety uh, on their way to Comic Con yes and on their way yes. to Comic Con and for, so I, he they think that this is a good idea for some reason and this immediately as soon as I hear this this just screams terrible idea in the first place uh, be- how does that seem like a terrible idea. Because I think you're, I think a lot of uh, people that grew up around these killings, like if you did that in real life, like if you went to fuck, if you wrote a comic about a school shooter in Sandy Hook and then went to Sandy Hook to do a whole bunch of fucking <laughs> interviews with the people that yeah. were a part of it, of course they're not going to be thrilled with that. It's the same kind of logic, right? Like you're, you're going to all these small towns in the heartland of America where everybody knows everybody and you're trying to, you, you have literally created a comic book icon based on something that has destroyed their lives right other people's pain yeah yeah so i just don't i don't this in my head is just like this is a terrible fucking idea in the first place (laughs) don't do it don't do it (laughs) well you'd have to you'd have to wonder if at any point during the run of his comics has he done interviews because you would imagine that questions around that have come up at some point Mm-hmm. But he seems very taken aback when they do, right? Yeah, he doesn't seem like he's the public facing side of the, you. I would think I think Jay Burrishell's character is supposed to be more of the public, like the PR person. Because if, if mm-hmm. you remember that scene where they're doing the interview, yeah, Todd looks shocked, but Jay Burrishell's character is over there being like, like trying to hype him up, like trying to coach him yeah. through what to say through the glass, you know. Mm-hmm. So, so I what feel you're like, saying is this Todd is not Todd McFarlane. Yes, <laughs> and no. maybe (laughs) it's possible (laughs) is he asking for 20 million dollars to write the final issue of his comic (laughs) probably 
on <laughs> if everybody gets on Kickstarter and gives me one dollar, we'll, we'll get it. We'll get it. It'll be great. Um. Anyways, he he. Before they get to even to the first interview, they stop off in this one like gas station in the middle of nowhere, and this is this is the point where like you you walk into it thinking, all right, this is going to be a horror comedy because it's a pretty funny exchange, right? They all get into this. This gas station that has nothing but like pickled eggs inside of it, and it's, so is it the same gas station from Tucker and Dale versus Evil? <laughs> it sort of seemed like it, right? Yeah. Why does or all cabin in the woods? Like, have... do they all just use the same gas station? Yes. And why is there always pickled eggs? I because <laughs> because do people not America, like pickled, pickled eggs. eggs. I've never know. I've that, never had one. Is that what they think? Like like Hicksy? Yeah. <laughs> it's just pickled eggs. Except it's probably just like what do you call them? Uh, mountain oysters and not actually pickled eggs. <laughs> oh. oh yeah. <laughs> They're probably. I like pickled eggs. <laughs> I don't know that I've ever had. I'm with Sam. I'm not sure I've ever had I've... one. I've never had one. I know they're available at the grocery stores here. I actually saw them not too long ago. Yeah, if you like pickled things. But they do again. They come in these big ass fucking jars, and like, yep. what do I want to buy a jar of pickled eggs if I've never had one? Well, you don't buy the jar. You stick your hand in the jar and grab one. Yeah, so, but when oh, you're at the grocery store, you can't just open them. Oh well, no. But at the gas stations, <laughs> you just. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds even less. Yeah, like, that sounds icing. even worse. Just like, yeah, like, I'm gonna take this one pickled egg out of this jar that all these other like. <laughs> Unknown mountain folk have also just been well, the brine. Their the brine's supposed in. to keep it sterile, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, all the salt kills everything. That's sometimes the point. they have a little, little, um, the you know, tongs. <laughs> yeah, Next time we go on a road trip, y'all, I'm gonna make sure we get some pickled eggs at the, at the Alex, have you had pickled eggs? Are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> Can I pass on this? <laughs> nope. Nope. <laughs> we'll chase it with some, uh, some, some of that awful fucking. Rum. Oh, oh, oh. Don't you, don't you, don't even. What Black Roberts rum is the yeah. greatest rum that's ever existed. We'll do pick, pickled eggs and Black Roberts rum. It is still in the back of my Jeep. That has never <laughs> left the back of any vehicle like that I've ever fucking owned. years. <laughs> I have diarrhea just thinking about it. It's wonderful. Uh, so uh, there's there's a funny scene where the gas station attendant is like, oh, hurry her meth. Like, give me meth. Like, <laughs> And, meth. <laughs> and, do you have any yeah, meth? <laughs> yeah. uh and, and it's and it's a pretty it's a funny like relatively well well written scene and uh it's one of those things where it like it sets the tone for a film that you don't end up getting and i think that's it's most one of its most success, successful aspects uh is, is kind of blindsiding the watcher uh the viewer mm-hmm. like getting them a little too comfortable making them think that they're going to get something uh that that turns out to be completely different um and it it's successfully done because it's like pretty arresting when that sudden shift in uh tone in the film mm-hmm. ends up erupting um so yeah they go and do the first interview it's a fucking it's a nightmare it's uh, a bloodbath yeah, yeah it really is uh photos are taken out of victims it turns out like the radio host was like good friends with one of the the uh, girls that was killed. That she was like a child. Yeah, she, when she was like was a murdered, kid, like yeah. five or something. Yeah, and uh, he gets fucking annihilated. He y- does. Yep, yep. And you live on the air. You cap it all off with a bizarre fucking phone call from somebody with a really deep, gravelly voice, just reading One. reading a whole bunch of numbers off. Uh, Eighteen. <laughs> yes. Twenty-seven. You're making it more sound like Sling Blade, but I like I like it. <laughs> I don't like it. <laughs> Dude, we are in the heartland. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Potted mate. 
Eight, Did you eight, say potted meat? 18 yeah. cans of potted meat. 18 <laughs> cans of potted meat. That sounds like potted meat sounds like it would go really well with pickled <laughs> 22 fried potatoes. <laughs> One jar of pickled eggs. <laughs> I killed him with a hammer. <laughs> I fucking, I, this is the third time that I've talked about Sling Blade in the last like right. 30 days, dude. It's kind of dumb how much that movie's gotten brought up lately. Uh, anyways, so they finish up with the interview and Todd is is noticeably shaken by the entirety of the events uh, and looks up the numbers and thinks that they're parables, right? He thinks that they're a passage of the Bible and uh, reads off the the passage and it's something along the lines of like, I am death incarnate right. hear me roar uh do you guys think it's weird though that he didn't think about his comics first yes <laughs> okay like why would no, he i, I think, mean i, I guess... think my my first my first jump would be towards the bible too i don't think that's totally out of left field really yeah. i was like i'm surprised he didn't think about his comics i mean yeah i guess that would make that would make more sense the, in terms of like, from, the, like the perspective of somebody who writes comic books for a yes. living you would think those numbers that that should person, make sense to him yeah I mean, but I, I guess, guess. when he, they do the flashbacks, he also was raised kind of, I guess, in Very a religious Christian, house. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, I mean, maybe that's just as as comfortable of numbers to him as his comic books. Yeah, I, that's just one thing that was kind of like I don't understand why you went right for the Bible. I mean, I get it. I think <laughs> I think that would have been my initial reaction, also, and then I would have I would have quickly realized otherwise. But um, I think when you look up that parable too, it like sort mm-hmm. of makes sense because it's like, yeah, I don't know creepy as fuck (laughs) so anyways as soon as he's finished reading this parable we get this scene of uh a truck full of kids trying to peer pressure another kid into smoking marijuana on her birthday uh and then (laughs) uh proceeding to uh have car issues some sort of truck problem uh flat tire flat tire they can't uh was it a flat tire? I don't remember. I thought it was like yeah, engine was trouble or something. Oh, was, it, was it a flat? No, okay. It was a flat tire. Um, in the rain. Flat yes. Tire. Stuck in the rain. No cell phone reception. Nothing like that. Uh, suddenly, this van pulls up and starts blinking its lights behind them. Uh, gets out of the car and he is covered in head to toe in a wet welder's outfit. Uh, one of those cliche leather aprons that you see in Texas <laughs> Chainsaw Massacre and a welder's mask. And he's tall and menacing looking. And he's like, hey. Uh, looks like you've got some car trouble, blah, blah, blah. And he's just being the nice guy, right? Uh, except he's in a welder's mask. Yeah, except mask. he's in a welder's <laughs> mask, and he's clearly terrifying the hell out of these this group of kids. Um, so they make the right call, and they're like, hey, If you yeah. saw my actual face, you'd be more scared. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they make the right call. Uh, they trust their guts. And they're like, hey, you know, we're good. We called somebody already. And he calls them out. He's like, no, you don't get cell phone reception. Yeah, in he's this like, area. phones don't work out here. <laughs> And I think this is like the the one of the most interesting parts of this film is the kids are like, yeah, mine does. Don't worry. Thanks a lot. Bye bye. Okay, uh, <laughs> thanks. Bye. They all get into the vehicle and lock the doors. And here's where we get a view of the killer. And the killer has to like punch himself in the face and like psych mm-hmm. himself out. And he's like trying to convince himself that he's he's. Um, He's got this. Yeah, that he can do this, that he can fucking kill a whole bunch of kids real quick. And so this whole movie sets you up to believe that whoever is doing these murders is somebody who hasn't done it before. Mm -hmm. Um, 
you get to watch this guy in this very purpose, purposeful scene, uh, really psych himself out enough to be able to go kill a whole bunch of kids. And so, uh, what t- takes place afterwards is probably the most brutal scene in the entire film. Uh, it's not over the top, right? It's not your typical slasher violence in the sense that it's like blood and gore all over the place. Although there is plenty of blood all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, it feels pretty real. The camera gets very up close and personal. Like the shots are like very like claustrophobic. Um, there's a lot of like focusing on the carnage, but at the same time, just like the intensity and the, uh, the hopelessness of the scene in general. Like this guy has total control of these kids as soon as he gets in the car, right? He very, the first thing he does, he takes off and stabs the, the, uh, the boy, like dozens of times in front of everybody else. And the second he sees one trying to escape gets her right in the thigh. So she can't move Mm. at all. Uh, And she climbs out of the vehicle and he knows he can take his time. Yeah. And he just, and so the part where she climbs out of the vehicle, that's where like the, the graphic violence really starts to kick in. Cause you see him stabbing the boy a whole bunch, but there's not like there's not a lot of focus on the knife hitting the kid in the chest because it's kind of obscured by the body of the killer. Right. Right. But when he stabs the girl who's in the driver's seat in the thigh and she opens a door and falls out, the camera work lingers on that. And you see that knife go from like the middle of her thigh yeah, and slide all, all the way down, the way down yeah. to like her knee. <laughs> Yeah, and had, like I I rewound that scene a couple of times. That shit was fucking brutal. Yeah, uh, but he also knows when to cut away, right? Like, because yeah. from that point on, we see her slide out of the car, and it's almost like a Tarantino shot. The way it focuses entirely on her and has all the noise and the story going on in the background. Because uh, mm-hmm. all you need to hear from that point on is the screaming of the killer, like literally being like, "You're not going anywhere." Blah blah blah. Like 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 screaming at her, calling her, calling the girl in the back like a whore and all this other shit like as he stabs her to death um and uh like he's just in total control and then he cuts and it's so well done it's such a great setup for a slasher film and it really introduces this character in a in a slasher in a different light right generally you when you watch a slasher movie this the whoever the killer is is calm and ready mm-hmm. to go he he knows he's he's Got everything planned out. And for one of the only times that I can think of in modern cinema that I've seen lately, this killer is somebody who is unsure of himself, but at the same time, as soon as he realizes he has control, turns into this genuinely menacing beast. He seems very real. There's a very human aspect to this killer, which is something you don't necessarily get a lot with slasher films. Um and I really have to applaud Bearshell for for this scene in the movie. Um, it was one of those things. Like I was watching it, and like <laughs> I was, I was just like, "Holy fuck! This this is one of the most intense fucking slasher scenes I think I've seen in a long time." Um, yeah. And it's not because of the blood and gore. It's just because the whole scene from start to finish is very, very expertly done. Um, and it's this kind of thing that I think Bearshell really excels at. I don't have goon as, like you do sam as a point of reference and sam, alex you said you haven't seen goon either right i have not so i don't so ha- i mean don't i don't really know if goon is a fair comparison i know it's baruchel's only other movie that he's directed but like from um, a directing point of view do you, do you feel he's he's confident throughout that film like 
Yeah, I think it's a very competently directed film. Um, but again, like it's hard to compare the two because there there is no scene in Goon that I can think of. And granted, I haven't watched it in a while. Um, mm-hmm. But there's no scene in that movie that I can think of that really compares to what he like pulls out for this sequence. Okay, fair enough. Uh, I think. And we'll we'll talk more about it, you know, towards the end of this, especially once we get into the ending, where I I, I think the this movie was directed really well. I think it was shot really well from start to finish. I think my issues with it lie in the writing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so I I think I think Baruchel's got a really good eye for scenes and how to set them up. Uh, and I mean, you can see, like you like you mentioned, you know, it's got a Tarantino kind of feel to it when she gets out of the van and she's crawling away, and the camera's on her with everything going on in the background. Uh, he knows how to set up a scene, and you can see the influences that he's pulling from. Um, and Goon feels the same way, you know. It it, it feels uh, it's a hockey movie. He's a Canadian guy. He's big into hockey, and <laughs> it, it feels a, it. It reminds me of like Young Blood from the '80s, and um, you know, shades of like Mystery Alaska. And you can tell where he's pulling his influences from, and I think he does it very deftly. Mm. I think the writing just falls short on this one. Right, right. I agree. I do agree. So I think this is kind of like the. Um, at least in my opinion, we'll talk about it a little bit more, I'm sure, as as we kind of progress through the film. But I feel like this is the apex of the movie. Like, I think it's kind of only downhill from from this point on. Um, and I mean, it's a slow. I'm not saying it's like a sudden like drop in quality. It's a slow descent or uh, descending into just. I think the final 20 minutes are awful, (laughs) but I think, I think up until that point, it's still like a pretty competent film, but I think that this was the highlight of the movie, this scene, um, and how it transitions, how it takes such a hard right into something just completely brutal. Um, and it's a very, it's one of those scenes that like it sticks with you, I think, uh, which I think is saying something, especially from a rookie director, uh, in terms of horror, when you've got somebody who can capture that kind of scene that really does linger on after you've watched it, even if it's just one particular scene, I think it it it's um it makes me look forward to seeing what else they're capable of. So I hope that he kind of stays in the, within this genre. Uh, not like always. Obviously, he's a young director. He wants to branch out and do other shit. Go for it. But I'd like to see him do other horror stuff as well. Um, it could be a lot of fun. Um, so while all this is going on, there's a bit of a side story going on between uh, Kathy um, and Aurora. And so it turns out that uh, Aurora uh, is an assistant and he she really wants to be an artist. She's trying to convince Jay Baruchel's character that she's capable of drawing and she can be more than uh, just like I said, his assistant, um, he, she wants to contribute to slasher man. She wants to contribute to other comics in the publisher, uh, with the publisher. She wants to try to get her own things off the ground. Kathy on the, on the other hand is just like her boyfriend in the sense that she's basically willing to exploit this serial killer, the I 90 killers history for Mm -hmm. a chance to write something and create something. Uh, so she's trying to write a book about the I 90 killer, 
while this road trip is happening, but she wants to do it from the quote unquote perspective of the victims. Now it's interesting though, uh, because she, uh, we'll talk about it later in the movie. She criticizes her boyfriend and what he's been doing with the slasher man comics. But every time she gets an opportunity to kind of talk about the victims and say mm-hmm. their story within her book, she never seems that interested. She's always looking for more of what the I 90 killer did. More than focusing on the yeah. victims, even though she seems to put herself in like a way different category than her boyfriend, even though the I same. think they're exactly the, yeah. doing exactly the same. Yeah, thing. exactly. Um, which I think is a, a, an interesting touch. Uh, I don't think that they explore it enough as the film yeah. goes on. Um, but it's an interesting touch. Um, so there are a whole bunch of events that unfold as Todd arrives deeper and deeper uh, into the town that that remind him of uh basically belinda cooksey's christmas eve murder so at the beginning of the film Mm -hmm. um we see a family get killed in very giallo-esque type filming right like vibrant colors uh lots of of dark tones and all sorts of stuff and it's very stylized in terms of the way it's shot um very yeah very jolly <laughs> what's that movie with the opening and it's a christmas and you just see the people get murdered that little boy sees his family get murdered was it blood red i feel like we covered it oh I like I, uh <sighs> i got a lot of vibes from that movie i can't remember what it was called though which i guess is not helpful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's some there's some pretty heavy like like Italian horror vibes that are going on within the first couple scenes and the ending of the film as well. Um, yeah, and uh, that's that's where Barishel kind of completely lost me in both of those scenes. Uh, I just didn't I, I didn't think um, mimicry was oh yeah that's it uh i didn't think mimicry was his his most flattering aspect in this movie um i think he was better when he was trying to do his own thing but he he crams it in there so we get uh, a little bit about this christmas belinda cooksey murder um and these other kind of aside memories that make todd uh sort of question whether or not this was like the right thing but he only really ever questions it for a second and then immediately tries (laughs) to go back into figuring out an ending for this comic book um yeah there's a whole bunch of stuff kind of shoehorned in and the whole the whole thing stems from him finding that picture right right drawing yeah uh and uh, there's a whole bunch of stuff that's kind of shoehorned in that tries to make it seem like this film is more than what it really is but none of them really ever take off uh and i think that's one of my biggest disappointments about it this is so this movie is only what like 80 minutes long or something like that it's not long yeah it's a short one i actually kind of wanted this to be a little longer i think this movie could have benefited by having like maybe 10 more minutes of like exposition or like background story sort of character dialogue something to build it up a little bit more and explore some of these loose ends because they just introduce these things and then drop them completely um right because he's from the town that they're in right yeah it's what they keep alluding to yes uh so it's interesting like they catch wind of this murder and it turns out that 
like they being Todd and, and company, um, they catch wind of this murder because it's all over the news. Or no, they drive by it, right? They see. They the, drive past it. Yeah, that's, that's it, what yeah. it is. The, the, sh- the, tarp. the sheriff, like the the wind starts to blow the tarp up, so they can see the three people that are bound together, uh, and naked and bloody and tied up with wire of some sort. Right. So the three the three kids that we just witnessed being stabbed to death, uh, turns out that they've been turned into this like elaborate sculpture. Sculpture. Their like intestines are like thrown over their shoulders and they're like contorted mm. in these weird positions and stuff. It's very Hannibal esque. Um, yeah, it, is. it really is. Uh, it's, it's just taking a page directly out of that show's book. Um, and it's, it's not quite as pretty <laughs> either. Like it's actually <laughs> just like kind of like carnage. There's nothing really beautiful about it. Uh, whereas in Hannibal, like there was something just like very like, darkly mm-hmm. beautiful about some of the way that, that, that like the bodies were fucking strewn around and stuff in that TV show. And I think it kind of misses the mark with some of the displays here there. It's almost more totemic, uh, in this movie. Um, like it's trying to be this experience, like this borderline religious experience, but it ends up being something just carnal, um, or than anything else. And maybe you're right, Sam, maybe that was the point. It wasn't meant to be just like, but he looks at them and he's like, oh, you know, this is a scene directly out of a page in my comic. Um, Baruchel grabs the comic from the back seat, right? And just like produces it mm-hmm. and shows and shows everybody the image. And everybody gets yeah. these, this chill and, and it's fucking creepy and blah, blah, blah. Because um, like, I think I think that's the point of arranging it like that is because it is supposed to be a totem to just like demonstrate like I pulled this straight from your work. Right, right. right. Um, and he still doesn't make the connection between the comic book numbers. No, right. he doesn't. Yeah, takes, which what, is another, mind-blowing. Another <laughs> right? <laughs> series of murders to, to get him to make that connection, right? Um, yes. So, it's infuriating to me. <laughs> so the story continues on. We get uh, Aurora gets killed pretty brutally. They find her head in the middle of the road. Mm-hmm. Uh, I liked that kill, too, a lot. When she's sitting out in the... the uh, picnic table by herself yeah i thought mm-hmm. that was really i thought that was really creepy um that one didn't quite grab me as much but yeah i could see that being a pretty creepy one i uh mm-hmm. i think i was still like coming out of the shock of the first scene <laughs> right uh because that one really kind of lingered with me for a while like a couple days after the first time that i watched it um mm-hmm. I don't know why it was just it it that that scene really just fucking hit me for some reason. Yeah. Um. Anyways, yeah, I wasn't quite as enthralled with the second the second murder. I just kind of thought it was crammed in there. But yeah, I could I could see it being a creepy one. Honestly, it's kind of capitalizing mm-hmm. on that like being alone in the dark. Like you think you're you're okay. You think people can hear you type of thing because she's killed right in front of their their creepy ass murder hotel. Right. Uh. But you'd think it being a creepy ass murder hotel that it wouldn't be that soundproof. Cause she's screaming at the top of her lungs, and he's not really doing yeah, a whole lot to prevent it, right? Like this place her. is. There's no way this place was any nicer than uh, the crack motel we stayed at for scares that care. Yeah, no, this place was definitely not as nice as that hotel. <laughs> it did not. I, it does not even offer Alpo omelets. <laughs> so like how. That, yeah, I'm I'm with you. There's there's no way that nobody fucking hears what's going on outside unless she's sitting. Unless she's not w- screaming too much because he he 
he covers her mouth, but she's screaming pretty loud for the first. Uh, she gets seconds. she yeah she gets a few good screams out. Like is that not the kind of place where you just hear a woman screaming and you're like meh? Same well, old, I, feel, same I like old. to think <laughs> like I'm not I'm not gonna risk myself on this. Uh, yeah, I like to think honestly if it was the three of us out there and Alex was the one getting getting ready to have her head <laughs> torn off that I would be uh-huh. able to recognize Alex screaming. <laughs> I would certainly hope so. I feel like <laughs> I would be able to know microwave. that that was like your scream. Yeah. And Only I feel if like she started screaming about the microwaves. Like Todd. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like, <laughs> like fucking like Todd's room is right there. Yeah. He like wakes up and opens the door and bam, that pa- that picnic table is right by his room. It yeah. is. I feel like that would have woken me. I feel like I would have woken up. <laughs> Are they all just a little bit too self-involved? I think maybe she was the she was the only one who kind of seemed like she cared about anybody else except for herself. Now the 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 three characters that are left, I feel like are just three of the most self-involved human beings I've ever seen in my entire life. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I don't think they're particularly good people. No, no, none, no, no one in this movie now any longer. And is a I good think person. and and the, those fissures really start to show after. Uh, aurora's death mm-hmm. right when they're um, all being interviewed yeah because like you you see it a bit when they're first driving around and i mean you can see that jay baruchel really just you know wants to get it done wants to make sure that you know the press tour goes fine and he can make his money as i say he wants to make that money um yeah dude they, you know, they like just lost one of their own and they're just like yeah let's keep going it's fine yeah yeah, like, yeah why do you not turn around I, I feel know. like Jordana Brewster kind of had this whole side eye thing towards Aurora the entire time. She's like, "You're trying to fuck my boy, aren't you?" Yeah, I feel like that existed too. There was so, like Probably. this like undertone of just like uh, distrust there, right? Yeah. Because two females can just never be friends, right? Yeah, <laughs> no, it's not allowed. I mean, <laughs> tropes are tropes for a reason, right? <laughs> <laughs> I know how that story goes. That shit that shit right. ends poorly. <laughs> <laughs> how many lady friends do you have, Alex? Zero. A exactly. Lot. <laughs> <laughs> like sixteen. Zero. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so uh yeah, they they get pulled in by the police, they get interviewed. Uh Suddenly, fucking his wife or his girlfriend, I keep wanting to call him his, her his wife, but his girlfriend, Todd's girlfriend, Kathy, immediately is just like, oh, my God. Yeah, Todd is a killer. Like, halfway, right? halfway through these <laughs> have you seen the shit that he draws? Yeah, like, he's fucking been, crazy. Yeah, he's been doing this the entire time you guys have been together. And for some reason, it's not a problem yeah. when he's doing all that research for her. Yeah. She's obviously never listened to true crime podcasts in this universe. She right? just, she, because if this she's saying that he's like, right? he's like exploiting the these the deaths of these victims to like make money off of the likeness of this killer. And she's mm-hmm. doing the exact same thing. Yep. But from like the true crime aspect of it. Yeah. Yeah. I. <sighs> and then you have Officer Tipper Gore, who's just like, your your evilness inspires these murders, and we should ban you, and you should be ashamed of yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like if someone said that to me, I would literally just laugh in their face. Uh. I, yeah, I feel like that would that would be the case. Like, if I was the one being interviewed, right, and it was, like, somebody being like, Kelly's been this murderer this whole time, I'd be like, yeah, you're probably right, but, like, I'm okay with it. 
<laughs> She's never tried to kill me. <laughs> I'm fine. I'm okay. That's all that matters to me. <laughs> um. So it's not until what, like after these interviews that they re- that Todd realizes that her head is was placed in like the exact same way that it was in the comic. And then finally he's like, oh, these are oh. these aren't parables. These are comic numbers. Oh, my God. Well, he, after he, gets another third, phone call. he calls out the third phone call and there's not a Bible verse. Right. For that specific number. So suddenly and so they're like, hurdy dur, maybe it's the comic books. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, so from this point on, they're like, oh shit. So like again, he wrote the fucking comics. How does he not realize when he sees her head after they saw the triptych that was also ripped right from his comic? Like, yep. does this guy just black out when he's drawing and writing and not have any idea what he's done? You see how you yep. how you feel about our episodes when we're like, you know, on our like 80th season <laughs> and we're getting You're ready right. to record like episode 1000. It's going to be like our last. You see how much you remember when suddenly one of our fans is like. One, twenty-three, <laughs> seventeen, <laughs> and it's based on a murder from some meme that we made about Alex's laugh. <laughs> it's just, it's just <laughs> you see how well you pick up on that. Oh sense. Gosh, I would love to see some murders based off of our conversations. <laughs> Take that back. We'll be responsible for a killing yeah, spree. Yeah, never mind. I meant that completely in jest and not for serious. Uh, so <laughs> as things go on, we're introduced to what two more pretty like brutal kills, mm-hmm. uh, progressively getting closer and closer to Todd. Uh, his girlfriend are killed. Jay Baruchel's killed and he's captured along with all this. And then finally we get this like tour de force, this final epic piece that's supposed to be, uh, the setting for the next kill, a kill that doesn't exist yet, because the final numbers mm-hmm. also don't exist in his comics. Uh, so, well, in addition to Jay Baruchel's death, there's that family that gets murdered. Too. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and and that's he figures that out, I guess, because of the third phone call with the numbers, and he finally figures out like that they reference the comics, and he looks it up, and it's the some comic about. Like a family in a van or whatever, right? Or so they try, they try to, kill. they try to save him and save the family, and the killer like pulls out a gun. So interesting note right there because I know we talked about this when we did Terrifier, yeah, mm-hmm. and you know, kind of breaking that slasher code, yeah, you know and what? how well how well it worked in Terrifier. It worked really well in this too. <laughs> I think it worked I mean, really it was well effective. in this. Yeah, uh, well, like it was certainly effective. I think in this it had a little bit more, uh, like with Terrifier, it was like almost a a comic element, right? Like it was like, yeah, really. Like when I go back and I think about that scene in Terrifier, I compare it to that scene in Indiana Jones, right, where he's really he's really tired (laughs) and he just the clown just had to take a shit real bad, so he pulls out a gun to end the and just shoots him in the head. Yeah, (laughs) like that. That's kind of like it it has that same tone with me. Whereas this seems like a lot more like menacing, like like Mm -hmm. like it was shot more like a. A, uh, um, 
like an active shooter situation type of thing than it was right. like like any there's no comic relief to it all of a sudden he just pulls out an ar and you can tell he's not shooting to kill them because he's just shooting the fucking vehicle over and over again uh but then doesn't jay baruchel he gets his shot in the head though he gets his head blown yeah off. yeah yeah but like he's like i don't think he like like because todd's driving right if i remember in that scene yeah yeah like like as todd i didn't feel any threat towards todd I guess no, is what Todd I'm wasn't trying driving. to say. Uh, Kathy was driving. Oh, was okay, oh, okay, okay. But like, I didn't think that like that was his goal. I think Jay Baruchel just got hit. Uh, okay. Whereas, like, I think his goal was just to like fucking scare the shit out of them and well, get no, them to he, move on. He shoots a whole bunch, and then the very last shot that kills Jay, like he pauses between shots. Oh, so you think that last one was on purpose? I think that last one was like actually trying to hit somebody. Okay, all right, and there might be there. I may might just be and remembering also, the scene I'm, wrong. I'm just curious because like he he murders that family and like shoots the little like he shoots the mom, shoots the dad, yeah. shoots the kid. Like and they're all just multiple times. Like, oh my god, he shot the kid! <laughs> and so the whole time I'm watching this happen. I'm just like there, and I get it. Like you're frozen, you don't know what to do, but you're also in a car, and the car is running. Drive the motherfucker over. Yeah, yeah. I, there were a few moments where I was like, like for instance, you were talking about uh, the comic book thing and not realizing that a bit earlier. Yeah, they could have mm-hmm. run the guy over. Honestly, my other biggest issue with this fucking movie is there's nothing random about these acts of violence, yet the movie is called Random Acts of Violence. You're Very right. misleading yeah. title. If anything, <laughs> this is organized acts of violence. But also, it's called Slasher Man, yeah. not Shooter Man. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I get it, but I think I think um, I think we're in right now in a day and age where the idea of somebody appearing out of nowhere with an assault rifle is actually capable of being even more menacing than somebody appearing out of nowhere with a butcher knife. Yeah, that's yeah. Because uh, I think once again, I think that was one of the better like shot scenes of the film because it like really does have this just like. They're all paused like deers in the headlights. And yeah, like you say, your immediate reaction would be to run him over. But I don't I don't think it would be. Well, no, like, again, I mean, it makes sense that they're frozen. And especially from the perspective of, like, you got a bunch of Canadians in America. Yeah. Right. And yeah. This well, is they, their they first talk- encounter with something like well, this. Well, no, they, they even say it at one point. Like, don't get, don't be rude to that driver. They have guns around here. <laughs> yeah. When they, the first time they come in contact with the van. Yeah. 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 And they're like, oh, people have guns out here. Like, let's not. Yeah. Let's not do let's that. Let's not do this. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> so they all get the, the remaining two, Kathy, and because he destroys the car, right? He shoots up the, the engine block. Uh, yeah. and that ends up kind of running the, running the car off into a ditch. And, uh, well, I think what runs them off into the ditch is that last shot that comes through the, the yeah, it breaks through the, the windows. Window. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, a bunch of, a bunch of brain matter around your car might cause you to drive off the road. I'm just throwing that out yeah. there. Yeah. I got some skull in my eye. I can't really see. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so they drive off the road. They're, they're kind of like knocked. They're in a daze, I think is the better way to say it. Cause they're not, not knocked unconscious. Actually, I guess Kathy right. was right, but he's Todd's not. Yeah. Uh, but he's really dazed. And so basically he watches as the killer gets Kathy tied up and then him. And then, and then Jay Baruchel's character, and then throws them all into the back of a van. Get in my van. Yeah. Uh, 
next scene we open with Todd basically like discovering that he's uh tied up in a room and he's his wife is dead, Jay is dead. They're all organized around a table like a last supper type of thing, but it looks like the house that we've been seeing in these these um in his flashbacks. Flashbacks, yeah. And Jordana's Brewster's intestines are just out on her <laughs> lap. Well, and it's amazing. He well, talks to her like she might be still be alive. Yeah. <laughs> you skipped over, I guess, the the final fight between Jordana Brewster and the killer. Oh. She tries to fight him off. She tries to fight him off. She does this whole thing where she's yeah. like, I'm I not, won't scream. I won't. Yeah, I'm not going to scream. And then she spits in his face. And, and then he, he headbutts her. Out. <laughs> right? He headbutts her. Oh, I don't remember. With that, his mask yeah, on? Maybe. But yeah, then, then we go through the, the weird, like. I guess thus starts the final 20 minutes yeah. of yes. weirdness with the weird, like dream sequency fugue state yeah it's uh so this is where like the movie kind of really takes a deep end it jumps into the deep end of just like embracing italian horror uh but like in all the worst aspects um we've got like a very dream oriented story that kind of like takes off and and it's like this this elaborate uh, like the so we get the killer revealed turns out to be this guy that they had seen earlier in the movie. Uh, but he had also been having flashbacks about, um, so they've interacted with him during this road trip. Obviously they saw the van at the beginning of their road trip. There's like a whole bunch of other stuff that kind of happens. And it, it I, dude, this whole ending was so goddamn confusing. Uh, it, was, it wasn't really, it was so his, <laughs> So this guy it was his killed mom that his was mom. murdered, right? Yeah, yeah. This this guy guy killed, killed his mom, his mom right. like no, I, twenty like, plus years earlier, and yeah. he saw it and like drew, drew that it. picture, and then lost the picture somewhere through foster care and adulthood, but came across no, the, it again. The guy stole the photo when the when the when the murderer saw him draw that photo. He thought it was beautiful, and so he took it. But he found it again. When did he get it back? Was it? He didn't. He found it when it was on the table when he went to the murder scene at the end of the movie. He was imagining himself drawing it throughout the movie. But the first time he actually ended up seeing it was when it was on the table at the large intestine Christmas dinner. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) The turkey dinner. There's our episode title, by the way. Large intestine Christmas dinner. (laughs) And he was like, oh, shit. I've actually, like, been, you know repressing this memory for so long that I actually know this killer. So Todd is supposed before. to be the the kid? Yeah. Yeah, Todd's the kid. It's Todd's so his, his mom is like the kid. Because he does. He could have picked someone better, but I see where they were going with it. Because that's the whole point, is that like you, the killer says like you saw me and like made for me beautiful am, or some shit. Beautiful. And then, so I stopped. I stopped so that's what I why, was doing. That's supposed to be why the kid rubs the blood on his forehead. Yeah, that like, like you painted me like one of your blood. French girls, and now I don't have to murder anymore. So yeah, but, and you so immortalized he the, me he because you drew me, and then you started doing these comics, and then you stopped releasing them because you can't fucking write. 
and you can't come up with an ending. So I had to start over again to give to you an you, ending. To give you ideas. Yeah. Because you're, you're, you're shit without me. <laughs> I inspired you at first and I will inspire you again. Now kill yeah. me. How do you guys not like this ending? It's so, cl- it's so clever. I, I just don't, I don't think it's, I don't think it's clever. <laughs> I think it's fun. I, like he's I think been, it's, in, like he, it kind of reminds me of like an episode of Law and Order, you know? Or that's like, why I said at the a, beginning, it's a feature length episode of SVU. Is. He, like, I'm pretty sure killer. we've seen this exact episode on SVU. <laughs> and then he stops killing because the guy's like, yeah, you know, immortalizing him in his comic books. And then he's like, oh, you suck. I guess I'll have to kill for you again. And he makes this very elaborate scene for him. It's quite beautiful. <laughs> I think I would have liked the ending more had you replaced the like long dream like flashback sequence if uh-huh. you take that out and like i don't know do something somewhere else in the movie uh, okay. kind of like what palmer said like this movie maybe could have benefited from like an extra 10 minutes or so okay yeah um i could see that i think in I addition just... to that extra 10 minutes like clean up the ending I, it's not that i disliked the reveal and you know I how did. it all tied up like we know <laughs> it, it made sense. I just I don't like the way the ending was done just as a whole. Do you like that he ended up lighting everything on fire? He was like, fuck you. No one's going to see this. No, no, it was fucking Halloween. It was the ending of Halloween. Like, <laughs> like <laughs> but that means we're getting a sequel, Palmer. Uh, no, he I was like, no one. Sequel to this like, I was like, oh, everyone's going to see this and they'll think it's so beautiful. And he was like, nah, bruh. This is crazy. So, no, no bro, gonna, I'm going to no stab you a couple times. I'm going to slit your throat. I'm going to light all of us on fire, and I'm going to stay here and burn with my dead friends. Well, yeah. So the, the the other issue, the other issue that I have is just like, why did this guy tell him to kill him at the end of it? Like, because he's done his work. Because it's the end of the story. It's the They've end of Slasher Man. They've done their story. Yeah, he has no reason to go on. So he doesn't want to be alive unless the comics are alive. Yes. So he started. The comics but he, are the only things started, that see him. Well, no, because he, he started killing well, before the comics that, were guy, out. This guy thinks that like he he was the inspiration that started it. I understand and that because because of all the writer's block, he's going to inspire him to finish it, and in doing so, he doesn't have a purpose anymore. Yeah, he's done. So then, just stop killing again. <laughs> no, he could just die. That's so, like fine. the end of his comic is Slasher Man kills. I guess the creator's friends family and, then, yeah. and family and then in the same way that they killed his mother and then the creator is supposed to kill slasher man because yeah. i guess like the end of the comic is like the death of the character of slasher man so alex you really think that this is some sort of like poignant like no i don't think it's that poignant but i i just think it was interesting instead I think of just the- like Oh, we're gonna shoot him and then or stab him, but he's not really gonna die. And then he's gonna pop back up and be like, "Blah, just kidding, I'm not dead." Okay. Like I thought it was for a slasher movie. I thought it was kind of just like a, a different ending to a somewhat stereotypical slasher movie. I just yeah. and that I appreciated. I expected. I appreciated so much the more. set pieces. What? Uh, well, Sam, what did you say? Is something about set pieces? I, I appreciated the set pieces at the end. Yes. Like. Large intestine Christmas dinner, big fan. Love it, love it. Looked really cool. Half face Jay Parashel, headless friend just sitting there, like that was amazing. <laughs> that was awesome. It doesn't like I feel like we've seen that so many times, like especially like the dinner trope in in slasher films. Well, pe- people got to eat, Palmer. <laughs> okay, <laughs> sorry that too many things take place at a dinner table, but people have to eat. It's a part of our lives. I I I just um. 
Like, I don't think that it was like, you know, I think part of big message or whatever, but I just thought it was, I thought it was fun. For a movie that like really tries from the very start to say something about like society and its love for violence. Like, I just don't think that like, like, what is it? What is the, what is, what is the message that you're supposed to take away from this? Like, all right. So we've got art imitating real life. But in turn, real life imitates art. But we are the Ouroboros. One could imagine, though, that if he didn't end up killing himself and did use this as the final, you know, chapter or episode for his. He found his personal growth on his girl's road trip. He would have made millions of dollars, maybe. And he was like, no, I can't have that. I was on a girl's road trip and I'm searching for personal growth and I found it. This is the time I'm a better person because I'm going to kill myself now. Yeah. He finally realized that, yes, he was profiting off the deaths of other people, including his own family. You know, he didn't realize it at the time, but he's making money off the, the suffering of of his own family. So ultimately the taking the takeaway is he's traveled with his sisterhood of pants and now he's got to yep. bend it like Beckham to get Yep. to the crossroads. To bend it for, like Beckham's not a road trip movie. I, but it's a girl movie. But it's a girl That's, movie yeah. and okay. it was just the it's first one that came to mind. Uh <laughs> and that his, he and his he and his girlfriend and his manager are mean girls. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> because I can say that I've seen that fucking movie now. <laughs> Finally. God damn it. Yeah, I, I mean, I thought it was, yeah, I thought it was good. I th- Listening to you explain, like, the, the actual comics, like, the real-life comics yeah. before we started recording, I think lends itself to why this movie is a little bit all over the place, because it's one of those things that's almost too meta for the sake of being meta. <laughs> right. Yeah, so, like, in, in the comics... Uh, and I only read through the synopsis, so I only have like a loose understanding of of what it was. It's one graphic novel, from what I understand. Um, okay. And it's it follows the same type of thing. Todd is the creator of the comic series. He's run out of ideas, so he releases to his fans this contest. He says, "Fans, come up with come up with a way that you'd like to see this character die." by slasher Mm. man's hand and i'm gonna pick the best one and so he gets a whole bunch of submissions and then one day he gets a submission that includes a photo of like a real murder uh Mm. and that's what sets off like this chain reaction of events um and i think in that sense it has a better title because it from what i understand it turns out there it does like one of those like uh scream type things where it turns out that there's multiple killers uh mm-hmm. so it really is kind of more along the lines of like actually being random acts of violence uh and and the fact <laughs> that he like didn't intend for this to happen so once again it's talking about art mimicking life mimicking art mimicking life but at the same time it's like a better interpretation of that from what i what i saw i i, I the ending is very confusing in the comic too uh mm-hmm. I think maybe that's why they rewrote it. I'll give it, I will say it's a little more straightforward in the film, but I also just like feel like it's kind of convoluted and it doesn't really add anything in both cases. Uh, I think they're both great like stories and I would have liked to see maybe more like 
fan interpretation because because there is one point in the film right where we get we do see one signing that that uh todd goes on and they bump into Mm -hmm. a fan who's created a diorama of like slasher man's like headquarters and like oh yeah that creeper yeah and like a whole bunch of fucking like um kills and stuff and they're all like very uh put off by this guy's yeah. presence, and I think the movie tries to like intentionally mislead you into thinking that this is going to be who the killer is. Uh, but that again begs the question: mm. This is this guy's final issue. Has he never been to a comic con before? Has he never <laughs> done interviews before? Like, yeah. what the fuck? I feel like does he just does does Jay Baruchel let him out of his box once every four years and be like, all right, we're gonna go do something? No, he's and then when we're one, done, back in the box, thing. get back to drawing, <laughs> monkey boy. He's like the uh, <laughs> right? the tortured artist in the in the fucking Dark Coast movie that we watched, uh, where <laughs> oh, he just God. stays in his his apartment and. <laughs> <laughs> and paints all day and looks very just the brooding. same thing over and over and over again. <laughs> um, Alex, what? See, you kind of, you kind of uh, seem to enjoy this. Yeah, what? Def- I didn't take it definitely as... more than I did. Maybe a yeah. little bit more than Sam did. I really enjoyed the gore. I thought it was an interesting story i i liked the care i i did i disliked the characters but i thought they were acted very well where i had a i didn't like that it wasn't super long i feel like the last like several movies we've watched have been, been very, very long, long yeah. and i i agree with you that it probably could have had an extra 10 minutes in there and been maybe be able to wrap up some loose ends or something but i i enjoyed that it was relatively short gotcha i uh where where would you say that that there could be room for improvement because you seem to think very highly of this as it stands yeah, um, I didn't really like the flashbacks that he was having throughout the movie. Yeah, with like the do- the door, you know, with the Christmas wreath on it and stuff like that. I feel like those kind of were didn't really make a lot of sense, or they could have maybe done something more with those. Okay. okay. Um. Yeah, the day glow for the <laughs> the dreamy like Christmas. <laughs> I think maybe wasn't my favorite. It could have just stuck to the normal style that the rest of the movie was in. Okay. I think I would have liked that. And then the the voiceover, I guess, in the last scene. I think it tried to be, maybe do a little too much with, like, yeah, what is the meaning and who are people that enjoy, you know, reading and, and, and profiting off the murders of other people. And I feel like as a horror podcast that dabbles in true crime, we could sort of say the same thing. Not that we make any money. You know what I mean? But <laughs> There's the did, difference. We don't make any money. <laughs> we don't make any money. <laughs> but if we did, you know, I feel like we talk about true crime sometimes. Um, but I just, yeah, I thought it was good. Okay. All right. So what what are we, what are we giving this? What are we rating? What is it out of? Oh, God. We, I don't what know. What is the... Uh, what do we say like intestine turkey dinners or whatever (laughs) long intestine christmas dinner yeah large intestine christmas dinners there we go okay how many large intestine christmas how many how many side dishes at the large intestine christmas dinner are you (laughs) are you going to allow this movie to bring out of five i'm gonna give it uh 4.25 side dishes all right all right all right sam what are you giving this oof uh, <laughs> it's never good when you hear an oof. Yeah. <laughs> uh, two and a quarter. Okay. All right. 
Yeah, I'm gonna give I'm gonna give it a, a two point five. Okay. Uh, it's just it's a three. Yeah, I think that probably falls three out of five. Yeah, yeah, I think it, where I, where we were. I think it's I think it's one of those movies that starts off very strongly. Uh, that shows that Baruchel is somebody to keep an eye out for in terms mm-hmm. of direction. Uh, I think the script's a little weak. I think the ending's a little weak. But I guess that depends on who you talk to in this group. Uh, it'll be interesting to hear other viewers' opinions since this one came out. I know a lot of people that kind of reached out to us when, when, um, well, not a lot of people. We only had a couple people reach out to us about this one. But in terms of watching it, we, we, a lot of people haven't seen this one yet. They haven't had a chance to turn, tune in. So I know we had a couple mm-hmm. viewers that were like, oh, we're going to watch it just, just to be ready for this cast and all this stuff. And it's, uh, it's interesting covering new films to kind of see where the, um, the community settles on things. Um, But I guess we, we ended up settling more on the positive side collectively. Um, I think three is a good score. I'm comfortable with that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, So I'm actually in the middle of trying to see if we can get an interview with Baruchel about this film. (gasps) I would die. I would ask so many questions that Um, have nothing to do with this movie. I can't, Obviously, I can't promise anything. The 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 keyword being is there is, is fucking trying to get an interview. Trying, but um, I'll keep. You- Did we ever get a call back from um, Kevin Bacon? <laughs> I, I followed up with like three of his PR guys and never heard anything from anybody. So I think that Dang. I think that's a dead dead dream for now. It I All won't right. let it we'll, die. We'll put him on the list next to Kathy Bates to revisit in the future. Yes. Oh, yeah, for sure, for sure. Like the second we like start getting high numbers again, I'm just kidding like text a screenshot of it to Kathy Bates and Kevin Bacon <laughs> and be like, hey, you can't ignore us anymore. <laughs> you can't ignore us forever, Kathy. <laughs> Kathy and Kevin. <laughs> right. <laughs> um listeners, I'm tasking you with something before we call it quits this week. I want to hear what your plans for the spooky season are. Are you guys gonna mm. be doing Halloween? Are you guys not going to be doing Halloween? If so, is it because of COVID? Is it because of other things? Uh, how do you guys feel about events in your community? Are you guys ready to embrace the spooky season head on? Do you guys think that the masks from Halloween costumes are going to be enough to prevent the transmission of things? <laughs> I certainly don't know any of the answers to these things. I'm not a fucking scientist. I just hope that somehow, some way, we manage to get a little bit of a spooky season happening this year. And I am... Very interested in hearing ideas for how to do a safe, how to celebrate a safe spooky season when we get so into October. Here's one spooky potential comes idea. From within, man. Here's one potential idea. I've been kicking Eat the around. Treats. Exactly. I've been kicking around the idea of making a candy cannon or a candy catapult. <laughs> okay. That I can just fire candy at children from a distance from <laughs> kind of like the but, pumpkin chunkins they have but it's for candy exactly just to eat the treats. but the issue isn't like topical transmission it's it's like too many people being close together and breathing right like but it would be mobile treats. i could turn it and just like aim it around and everybody can space out like 15 20 feet it'll be like so a more than gun. the recommended six feet and i can just fire this shit from my front porch hmm you guys get a lot of you guys. I, we always talk about this, but you guys don't get a lot of trick or treaters, right? 
No, we do. We, don't get any. we, we get a decent amount. Oh, you do? Okay. Yeah, I'm, we I'm get a decent amount. Very interested to see like how this year is going to be in our new neighborhood. I, I th- we're going to come when the kids are older. When the boys are, I'm going to. We're going to come trick or treating in your neighborhood. Oh, for sure. Like I think it. Just I think, FYI, you do I look like you gets, have the kind of neighborhood that gives out full size candy bars. I yeah, think it with, is. Like lots of kids around. I think it is. Yeah, and I think there's a ton of kids around that are going to be participating. I'm just not sure if that's going to happen this year. This year, which is yeah. why, but in the future, we're definitely coming to your neighborhood. Which is part of the selfish reason as to why i'm asking our listeners whether or not they're mm-hmm. going to be embracing the spooky season because i'm trying to get a gauge as to like <laughs> how many full-size candy bars you need to buy yeah <laughs> and like how many halloween decorations like should i put out and like how many people are actually going to appreciate this this shit well, I think, this time around i don't think I feel like people like the decorations yeah regardless. I, I it's so nice true. to have the neighborhood look spooky i think even with covid i, I don't think there's any reason to scale back any decorations and we all know how much your wife loves those spooky decorations how much both of us love those spooky decorations yeah. come on now don't, don't yeah but i, sh- I feel like she's the one that actually does a lot of it puts them up yeah <laughs> excuse me <laughs> i feel like you take them down and put them away <laughs> she is the like creative director if you could see the, and the you're the look, muscle if you could see the look that i'm giving both of them right now <laughs> And if they had any sort of idea as to who was actually like, hey, let's get all the shit out of the attic and go put some stuff outside. Well, no, again, I think you get it out of the attic and you put it back in the attic and she does the middle part. She's the. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Anyways, I'm going to not touch that one. And we're going to end this week's podcast there. Uh, write in to us, let us know what your thoughts are on, uh, October and Halloween and whether or not you're going to participate. And, uh, as always, you can follow us on social media and pretty much everything's at terror in Podnito. You can email us terror in Podnito. Uh, at, what is it? Cast at terror in Um, check out our website. Uh, you can follow us individually. I'm Palmer at Sturmsworth. I'm Alex at a looters. I'm Sam at Sam Heaves. And as always, people keep it creepy we'll see y'all in a couple of weeks uh what are we covering that new netflix movie it's gonna be it's another a new netflix new uh i'm thinking of ending things yes comes out next week yes it comes out next week so if you're interested in that the trailer looks fucking like uh, a total fucking trip yeah it's it's like like very heart attack inducing just like very kind yeah. of like stressful and 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 yeah, it looks like it's going to be so a lot of fun. So it's got Tony Collette in it, and it reminds me of that one scene from Hereditary where they're sitting around the kitchen table. The whole movie seems like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then it's got that one guy who always plays like a, a happy white supremacist. Yes. <laughs> Jesse Plemons. <laughs> yeah, Jesse Plemons. <laughs> fat Matt Damon. Yeah, him. It, oh, that's such a good description. He really is the Fat Matt Damon. You're 100% correct. <laughs> Uh, no wonder he's the happy white supremacist. Hey, oh, all right. We're going to end hey. the podcast there. We'll see you all in a couple weeks. Take care, everybody.